0: No man. when i was a young man in high school you believe it or not i want to play football for the coach
1: hello and welcome to episode 110 of the filmiac podcast i'm john i'm kevin and i'm jr today we're here talking about one of our picks jr's pick That's who it was. Paper Moon from 1973, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, We're also going to be talking other stuff we watched and uh, trailers. I don't know if there were any trailers. Were there trailers?
2: I mean, besides the uh, Ghostland. Yeah, the the one you wanted to try to silence me about. You can talk about... Uh, invasion
1: of the ghost lands as much as you want, no. whatever it's called. It's uh, not it's not what it's called. <laughs> what it's is not it what called? it's called, and you know that's not what it's called. It's called something. I don't know what it's called. It's something with ghosts. Prisoners of the prisoners ghost. Of, okay. Sounds atrocious. Just How, no, what do you think? You're psyched
2: about this, no respect. You're psyched? I am psyched to see what this director does uh, in English mm. and with a bigger budget than he's ever had.
1: Does he normally mm. do Goofy uh, be action
2: stuff like this? Uh, seems to be. Goofy would apply to a bunch of his movies. Mm. Uh, they're not usually action-oriented. A couple of them are. but Is this he's one? He's worked in many genres. I'm just what?
1: assuming this one is an action movie.
2: I mean, according to the trailer, it looks like there's mm. some action. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is just you know, not... From what I've seen... From the silent uh, clips that I've seen while I'm scrolling through Facebook, this is, uh, I don't know, it's just not for me. I've never seen any of Sion Sono's uh, work before. But uh, you're a, a worse person for it. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> I'd never even heard of him until you started logging all of his movies this last week, or last two weeks.
2: Did I log so. a bunch of his movies recently? You
1: logged like two or three in a row one time. I know because I was looking I was like who the what all of a sudden JR must be compiling a list Mm. he's watching all this guy's stuff he's given up on Lumet and now he's going back to Sono
2: I've had a bunch of his movies on my hard drive for a long time bingo Uh, and it's just like let's get rid of some of these right exactly (laughs) exactly
1: so there's Prisoners of Ghostland. I guess there's nothing else then. No other trailers to discuss.
2: The Ghostland. Prisoners of. Oh, the sorry. Ghostland? Prisoners
1: of the. How dare I. Prisoners mm. of the Ghostland. Uh, yeah. It looks like. Oh, the Im- impeachment American crime story with. Uh, Jr.'s favorite mm. Beanie Feldstein as Monica Lewinsky. That
2: doesn't seem fair. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: I was gonna kidding. say it'd be. Well, you were just John's favorite more than anything. What? I
1: don't like Beanie Feldstein. I hated uh, whatever that movie was she was in with that other girl. <laughs> I oh, <don't> yeah, <laughs> I can't think of the titles of any book smart. Book smart was awful. Hell oh 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 uh, the new Denzel movie, A Journal for Jordan, Denzel's directorial uh, follow up to Antoine Fisher, I think. Fences. Well, he did uh, no fences, fences. That's right. Yeah, fences. Jesus, I, I didn't you sound, mind. You sound I like me fences. today, man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind fences, but this one looks. Uh, this one looks pretty terrible. Did you guys see the trailer for this? A Journal for Jordan? No, I did not. Looks like a. You know, what reminds me of that like Lifetime movie Arm or that Lifetime show Army Wives.
3: Oh it God, reminds no. me of that.
1: You watch Lifetime Mi- shows? It's got Michael B. Jordan in it, and uh, mm. we all know his track record as of late. Uh, and he looks like he's doing a similar performance. To his sort of uh, brain dead character in um, Without Remorse here. You know, just, a, just another soldier writing letters to his infant daughter back home. Really heart stringy, tuggy, manipulative trash. I'm not interested. And it's interesting to me that Denzel has such a, like, he's obviously a, a great actor, he's hmm. capable of great performances. He understands what greatness is in a film. Like, he's going to be Macbeth in this new Macbeth. And it's just, like, it's so weird. To, I don't can't put them together. Like, the guy who's playing Macbeth in Joel Cohen's upcoming Macbeth mm, is directing this awful-looking shit movie. I just don't understand. How do they connect? Like, how are you interested in one of those things and the other thing at the same time? Like, I don't understand how you're interested in both <coughs> those those projects.
3: Yeah, I don't know. And, like... And like, also, you know, he's got like, um, he's also got kind of that Liam Neeson thing going on, where he's just Mm. doing like any like action thriller he can get his hands on. Yeah, you know, from from the the Equalizer on, you know. Sure, he's trying to make the
1: Equalizer stick, I think, and uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen either of those movies, but they
2: what about the uh, Queen Latifah TV adaptation?
1: That looks even worse, but I've heard. some actually, like, positive reviews of that. But, I mean, it's mm. not something I would ever watch. I mean, it's, you know, it's network TV. Like, network TV is the worst. Speaking of which, I went on, um, like, I used to watch Law & Order Criminal Intent when I was a teenager, like, all the time. Just because I, th- mm-hmm. I love Vincent D'Onofrio in it. And he was, like, uh, almost like autistic, you know, because he, like, just knew everything, and he was, like, he was like Columbo sort of, like a modern Columbo. Mm. And, um, they announced Law & Order uh, Organized crime, right? So I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. that sounds good. And it's got um, Chaz Palminteri in it as like a mob boss, like a Gotti-esque mob boss. So I'm like, you know, maybe this could be like something interesting. And they brought back the guy, uh, what's his face from uh, SVU that everybody loves? Christopher Maloney. Chris Chris Maloney, yeah. And uh, so I watched like the half of the first episode. It's just such absolute drivel. It's the worst (laughs) thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I can't believe how written and pathetic and it's just like criminal intent was it's I think a law and order started out this way it's not about characters like you don't you know you're not following the detective you're following the case each week that the detective is working it's like episodic mm. but this one is like has all kinds of backstory with Maloney and his wife just died and he's grieving and all this kind of stupid shit I can't, oh man it was the worst <laughs> this was, is what sells now it really is Christopher Maloney crying and you can't do just mm. episodic television anymore. It has to be like no. an ongoing, continuous story.
2: So, this, yeah. like, Chaz Pulmentary is probably like
1: the season long
2: bad guy, right? right.
1: Well, and actually, he's the father of Will from Will and Grace. I don't remember his name. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. McCormick, something McCormick. Uh, he's, uh, that he's, guy. He's his father, and I think that guy is the main villain. And, uh,. But they're both, you know, shady and whatnot. and they have their own issues between each other. Of course, it's just and it's like this like blatant, silly, racist thing where like uh, McCormick is married to a black woman, but Chaz Palminteri is old school Sicilian, so he hates black people. <laughs> it's just, it's just so weak
2: and lame. I'm not into it. It's I like try, there's, man. There's one element of true romance I need to pull for my show. <laughs> <Exactly>. Yeah, <laughs> it's that stereotype.
0: Exactly.
1: So you know. That's no good, but uh, hey, you know what? Adrian Grenier is back uh, in Clickbait, the new Netflix series. So he's who still is, working. Who is that? He's from Entourage, man. The main oh. guy in Entourage. Oh right. <laughs> so I
2: don't, wa- you I don't watch, watch all of the bad shows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Entourage is like a, it's like a very watchable sort of. You put it on in the background while you're doing something else, and it just happens in the background.
3: I bought. So it's like your version of The Office. I mean, The Office is like
1: that too. I mean, they're both sort of in the same vein. They're just like funny, like sort of sporadically funny, mm. and easy to ignore. Anyway, which is why, why I Entourage. ignored it. Yeah, and I've, yeah. I've sadly, I've watched the Entourage movie twice, if oh you can gosh. believe it. <laughs> but it's only because when you get
2: to the end of the series, you feel compelled to watch the movie. I just, I don't understand why I'm the one that gets made fun of for my show choices. (laughs) I just don't get it. I mean, you know, you haven't seen Entourage, so you don't know. And
1: plus, I've watched Sopranos like six times all the way through, and it's a masterpiece of uh, filmmaking. So, anyway, let's move on. Um, So, let's talk about what we watched. Who wants to begin I'll begin.
3: Do it. So, little you know, little throwback to last week's episode. I've finished watching the uh, parts two and three of Paradise Lost, and nice. Yeah, like, (laughs) like (laughs) the 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 only thing the only thing I'll say is like you know we kind of covered everything, but like John Mark Byers, Mm. that man, like. Textbook definition of a character, yeah, like uh, you know, <coughs> you know, an oh, evangelist without yeah. a congregation. Dying. Um, <laughs> it's just becomes a little too self-aware
1: by three, though. Am I right? I mean, oh, like, for sure. The fact that he like changes his mind and reverses himself, well, it almost feels like I have to make reinvent myself so that they'll still pay attention to me in the third documentary.
3: I mean, uh, pretty much.
2: I I feel I mean, like he's. <clears throat> Also, like clearly medicated, in the oh, third course. one.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, because like sure. way more. Chill. Well, I think he.
1: Yeah, he's sedated for sure.
3: Yeah. Well, I think even in this, like even in the second one, there he was like, like, yeah, I have a brain tumor. I'm, you know, um, being, you know, under a doctor's care, et cetera. Et cetera. And you know, like, <laughs> and like when the dude, like the dude from the free, free freethewestmemphis3.org, is like. What's up, man? Like, you were just, like, pleasant to me before the cameras were rolling. Like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, and, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that guy is uh, out of his mind. Well, I mean, he was out of his mind. Yeah.
2: but Did, um, he, did he die from brain He died tumor in a car issues? crash, actually. A car oh, crash shit. in,
1: like, 2017 or something. Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. tragic tragic ends for so many you should you go on related. the uh if mm. you go on the
1: articles that are about him dying all the comments are about how he killed his how he killed his kid and like he killed all those kids and like he's burning in hell and all this kind of stuff jesus that's pretty extreme like they So all, they're they all they so bought they bought part two hook line and sinker yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like why well, i think like, that was not yeah, made
3: <laughs> right mm. Well, also, it's like you know obviously they didn't watch part three because you know there's that uh letter that um uh Damien Damien wrote him like yeah. I did the same, I did to you what you did to me, right. you know we were we were both caught up in our emotions, et cetera, et cetera, and we weren't willing to see each other for who we were and, exactly, and all that, and but yeah, um yeah, not a <laughs> I would say almost... Not a pleasant time. Yeah, I would say like,
1: like not even necessarily worth your time the second two. I wouldn't encourage anybody to go and watch all three. Although, you know, it's going to be hard not to. Like if you watch the first one, you're going to think, I need to watch the second two. Yeah. O- yeah. Honestly,
2: I mean, the um, the West of Memphis documentary, which I did not like either, uh, it, 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 it might just be like a better summary of... Of the whole thing than the uh Mm. than the actual second and third Paradise Lost movies. Um Mm. and it has more about Damien after uh he gets out of college or college prison. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fuck up. Uh College for 18 years. (laughs) So again, having watched all three Paradise Lost movies, don't watch West of Memphis, but that would be my advice to someone. You know, just a random person that comes up to talk to me about these movies asking for advice. Uh, I'd say yeah, yeah. Paradise that Lost happens. One and uh, and then West of Memphis.
3: Yeah, because, like, it's not as bad in the third one, but, like, the, the second one is just, like, look what we did! We started a movement! <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, just yeah. really, like... Like, the amount of times that people reference the movie... The first one in the second one is just like it's brutal. God, y'all! All (laughs) All right. Well, um, are we
1: talking Green Knight, or are we still waiting, Kevin? Have you you didn't see it? No,
3: I I haven't gotten a chance. God, I'm just kidding. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's it's just been a rough couple of weeks. It's all good. We can, uh, I suppose, we could put it off then. Mm. Uh, oh, did y'all hear about? Uh, I forget even where it was or when it was, but apparently it was going to be streaming for one night only for oh, twenty yeah. bucks. A twenty four was doing that. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. and I was like, nah.
2: <laughs> you know, I mean, you get your get your whole family involved, and it's of course <laughs> yeah. cheaper than going to the movies. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's right, way more expensive than going to movies by yourself. You just <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah like $8 to go to the movies. But, uh, okay, well, I'll just say then that i uh, it's been nine years since I'd seen Prometheus. So I figured I'd give it another shot because I did not like it in the theater at all. I thought it was a massive failure. And uh, I rewatched it. And I actually liked it quite a bit. I was pretty entertained by it. And I liked some of the ideas in it. And I think it works fairly well as, like, a Alien prequel. Certainly better than Covenant, which I watched afterward. And I, th- I would have told you before I watched these that Covenant was a much better movie, but it's not. Uh, Prometheus looks better, it's better written, it's better acted. And, uh, more interesting than Covenant. What the fuck was that?
2: Uh an amber alert just got on my phone sorry
1: (laughs) that's okay um so yeah prometheus uh if you're if you're feeling gun shy because you hated it the first time give it another shot nine years after you see it because it'll work for you i think no no did you see this
3: in theaters jr
1: yeah i did okay give it another shot i'm telling you man it's good
3: (laughs) I don't I just, know. I saw it in the theater too, and I gave it another shot, and I just, I just uh, wasn't into it. I, it's
2: hard. I,
3: it's
2: one of those things where it's like, if I had some sort of we like not weird, but if I was like super plugged into that franchise, mm. I could see how like I'd be disappointed initially and then would come back to it later. But I, I didn't have any connection to that franchise besides just enjoying Alien. Sure, uh, mm. and I, you know. i mean it's it's not like like a i don't
1: i don't look at it as like a i mean i'm not comparing it to the other films the first two films alien and aliens are phenomenal movies and this is not coming close to those but uh it's certainly as for a ridley scott movie in 2012 i'd say it's pretty solid like it's
2: better than average for him and uh I just, uh, you know, my, my take on movies is just so perfect (laughs) all the time. So it's hard for me to admit when something's (laughs) just kidding. (laughs)
0: No,
1: I, it's hard for me to imagine
2: when I would have time or give
1: this movie time, but I'll do it. What really prompted it? Well, it's on, it's on, um, HBO max, so it's just Mm. just so easy to watch, you know, but, um, what prompted it was that I was listening to a film junk podcast and they've had multiple lengthy discussions about this movie because two of their hosts love it, and one of their hosts is, like, very lukewarm on it. And those, So it's the two hosts, like, just berating the third host, trying to get him to like it. Which and one's they, lukewarm? Sean, the host, the main host. Sean is lukewarm. He, he dislikes it. He gave it a two and a half, I think. But, um... Seems reasonable. Yeah. But, uh... So they've had like these really lengthy discussions about the meanings of certain things and like what the directorial their directorial choices of things and like how the script works and uh, and they I, I guess they convinced me sort of because rewatching it I had their comments in my head and I don't know everything kind of clicked and worked for me. It's not like I like I say it's not a masterpiece or anything. It's not amazing, but it's certainly not the train wreck that I remembered it being.
2: Well, I think we got to the bottom of this. You're. You're a film junk junkie, and a, you let junker. them influence your opinions. <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes. I hey, you know what?
1: I after I watched Guardians, I went and listened to their episodes about Guardians. They are, <laughs> I'm we are not on the same page about those movies at all. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, I think
2: I, you know, I do listen to that podcast uh, semi regularly, and i I think they were they were talking about how Suicide Squad was. Not up to Guardians level? <laughs> or maybe Sean said that? I don't know. They, I'm sure they all <laughs> said
1: that. Mm. I know uh, their guest did. Frank. Not Frank. I mean, uh, Greg. Greg is the worst. Anyway. Let's get <laughs> off that. Our podcast, anyway. So, uh, yeah. Prometheus is solid. Alien Covenant, a little less solid. Uh, more just like a slasher flick. And uh, mm.
2: Which one has Kenny Powers?
1: So that's Covenant. Covenant. Okay. Yeah. And he is the worst (laughs) he is not he's really out of his element i think and it's Mm. what's funny about that is that watching prometheus i remember idris elba being like horrible in it because he's like this he's got this goofy southern drawl and he's talking about steven stills all the time but Mm, he's actually really good in it like his performance is pretty solid and he's very charming i have no memory of idris elba in that movie yeah he's the pilot of the ship yeah the captain anyways, so yeah, those two movies are fine. (laughs) And, uh, you know, maybe they'll, they sort of, I I don't know why, I I don't really know why I watch these at this exact moment, but maybe because Ridley Scott has two movies coming out this year, and I wanted to psych myself into them. Mm. So
2: we'll see. JR? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Movies, didn't watch a ton of them, but uh, I did Bummer. make time to watch Cocktail, oh. the uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise heroic bartending vehicle from 1988, mm. uh, the year of my birth.
1: Isn't this his lowest, like his lowest rated movie, like critically? <laughs> I think I so. Know.
2: That's good because <laughs> it's trash. It it's such it's such trash. I wrote. I think I'm just, I had like a screed moment last night where I just wrote like a giant paragraph about why this movie is bad and I won't read all of it. Um,
1: yeah. It's his worst reviewed movie of all time.
2: It's mm. just, it's not a movie. It's just not a movie. It's, it's like <laughs> 10 different shitty ideas all like blended together to try and make this sort of like uh, comedy with real heart and real, um, you know, real, real strings—not strings. What? Why can't I talk? I fell down my stairs this morning and really hurt my toe. Oh, jeez! Oh, I've also been frazzled. Um, I don't know. They—they—they tr- they want this movie to matter, uh, and it doesn't. Like we got an attempted commentary on masculinity, on um, you know, the fraud that is higher education. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, the corruption of wealth, the fun of drinking a ton, the nobility of a vocation such as bartending, and how it helps people, and uh, just a general, general and lazy c- comedy thrown in, and uh, it's it's just it's wild. Um, Cruz's Cruz wants to be a Wall Street bro, you know. In the late '80s, uh, he's just gotten out of the army. And he has no education or qualifications to do so, and everyone tells him that. Uh, so he decides to put himself through through night school. or no, d- day school. Sorry. Uh, by being a bartender at night, uh, he finds this like hip, cool place with a hip, cool uh, bartender, Doug, who you know does like the bottle throwing stuff. Yeah. And uh, the Australian know, guy, right? <clears throat> yeah, Brian Brown. Right. Cruz becomes his apprentice and, uh, you know, pretty soon they're like a famous team of bartenders in New York and they even have a guy while they're like doing their like song and dance bottle flipping comes in and is like, I want you to work for me. You come down to my place. It's the hippest bar in New York. You work for me. And uh, they're like, nah. And then the next scene they're working at that place. Uh, nah. It's, uh, you know, and then it's weird to think like we're at, like this hip cool club and the stars of it are two bartenders getting paid two fifteen an hour plus tips. Uh, it's like, this is, this is a ridiculous world. This is a service industry world that I cannot get behind. This is not pig. Um, <laughs> but there's like, you know, Doug, like Gina Gershon, like gets really into Tom Cruise. And she's like, I'm going to make you famous. You a bartender with no other skills. Uh, <laughs> And Doug is like, I'm going to hit on Gina Gershon and make Tom Cruise man. Tom Cruise is like, oh, I hate you. I'm going to punch you at the bar. And I quit. And I'm going to Jamaica to bartend there. Nice. And, uh, you know, then he meets Elizabeth Shue, the girl vacationing. And uh, they have a whole thing. And then Doug comes to Jamaica to find Tom Cruise again. And he fucks up that. And uh, then Tom Cruise ends up, like, leaving Jamaica to live with this, just like, as like a boy toy for this rich New York woman, and then that gets fucked up, and suddenly we're back with Elizabeth Shue, and suddenly Elizabeth Shue's fucking pregnant, and uh, then it's like a very serious movie uh, where Tom Cruise is arguing with Shue a lot, Shue is arguing with her father, Tom Cruise is getting in fights with her father, and a doorman at a swanky New York apartment, and uh, it's just... It's one of those movies where it's like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and there's just no clear thread. Suddenly, Brian Brown, Doug, he's dead. He's all of a sudden killed himself. Why did that happen? He lived on a yacht. When, when did he start living on a yacht? We don't know. <laughs> he killed um, himself. <laughs> yeah, spoilers for this. Why did he kill himself? Uh, you know, he was just such a cynic, and so upset. He was like, his wife was like clearly hitting on other men, probably cheating on him. So he
1: he went he went down to Jamaica to get Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is that good at throwing
2: no, bottles around. He technically went to Jamaica like for his honeymoon, but clearly chose the place where Tom Cruise was working to both mm. brag about his hot wife, the uh, the woman from Kelly Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, Kelly Lynch. You know, That's funny
1: the- you say that Kelly Lynch is in this, and we mentioned Roadhouse because it sounds like roadhouse somewhat that first part where he's like i need you to come work for me in my club because if you're calling roadhouse the guy goes to uh whatever Mm. patrick swayze and
2: like recruits him to come work for him but this i i I think the difference is like when i watch roadhouse i like i just think there's like this um i don't know it's almost like a give it the benefit of the doubt that it knows it's ridiculous and very stupid Mm -hmm. uh I yeah, that might not be fair, but this movie—it's obviously like it's—it knows where its humor is.
1: Yeah, that's fine, and it's like, uh, and it's an action movie, so there's—it's like a different kind of.
2: Yeah, so maybe it's that where this one is like, it is trying, in the back half of the movie, to be like so sincere with its feelings and the stuff that Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue are going through, and it's, and it's ends up being a joke because the whole time. There's this like very serious layer of bartending is important. <laughs> like that's You know uh, just I can't I can't <laughs> abide it. Kevin, the writer mm-hmm. of Cocktail
3: also wrote The Boys from Brazil, so you might have oh, to check goodness. this out. <laughs> well, I was just looking like I was looking at uh, Roger Donaldson's filmography and I was like, I gave the bounty four and a half. The bounty's good. What happened? Yeah. Well, I was but looking man, at the rest good. of It's like, freaking Dante's yeah, Peak weird. and
1: Species, and oh, he's awful. Yeah, like the Getaway <laughs> yeah. is the, like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Although I've heard good things about Thirteen Days. I, I mean, so I don't know.
3: I don't I'm, know anything about No Way Out except for the. Um, I've also heard Family good, Guy reference.
1: Sure, I've also heard good things about the bank job with uh, Statham. Oh, that's
2: mm. that's decent. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I, don't I know. didn't even click his I. I was so uninterested in, th- in this movie that I didn't even click his name to see what else he's done it's like <laughs> uh, must have only been shit yeah he's but that's not true he's
1: done a lot he's done a lot of uh, sort of he seems like sort of a jobber mm. but um
2: anyway alright well cocktail's a bust you know what are you gonna do yeah one and a half uh, can't believe I wasted a DVD Netflix rental <laughs> on this <laughs> well you don't know until you watch it right so yeah next up is Far and Away
1: right Gotta to get to that next. <laughs> oh, I I got to that. Oh, did you already watch that? Sorry. Yeah. Um, what is this the last cruise you haven't seen? Oh my god,
2: no! I'm sure it's not. Uh, Risky business. I've seen. I think I've seen the big '80s ones. Yeah. I, having now seen Cocktail, I think maybe I'm done with that era. But you know, and there's oh, like a bunch a, of stuff from this. I know one you haven't century. seen. What? Uh, Rock of Ages. Oh, uh, you're right. I have not seen them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I, I mean, I haven't seen, like, I didn't see the Tron one, uh, not the Tron director, Oblivion. Oh, you haven't seen Oblivion? I don't think so. Mm. Oh, it's, or rather, it's okay. I don't, if I have, I don't remember it at all. It's
1: not It's not awful, but, um, mm. you know. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, just not to give my f- any future Letterbox roulette away, you know, I've, I've seen 33 of his movies, which is a mm. lot, but it's only 40%. Wow. Let me.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Kevin, go ahead. And while you're going, I'm going to look up how many I've seen.
3: Okay. <laughs> well, real quick, I want to I want to give Jr.'s review of Cocktail a five out of five because I was oh. into it the entire time. <laughs> That's good.
0: <laughs>
2: well, thank you. Thank you.
3: So um, so the other day Blake and Hang I on, rewatched. Hang Sorry. Real, real <laughs> quick. <laughs> sorry, Kevin. I can't let the Tom Cruise I moment apologize.
2: pass.
1: Now, what was your number, Jr.? Oh my God. Like Why does this have to be a competition? 30, 30, 33. Yes. Hey, you make it a competition, bud. Whenever I say I'm going to watch some Lumet films and all of a sudden you've watched 25 of them in a row. Okay. I've watched 34
2: Tom Cruise movies. So suck on that. I honestly can't tell if you're lying just to get me no, to watch a couple four. of bad movies. or
1: Do I have to take a picture of him? I'll, no. I'll do it. Of course. <laughs> I. Uh, I Jagger's like, no, no. Because
2: he's and, seen Going Clear. I bet we've seen, like, all the same movies plus gl- Going Clear.
1: He, I haven't seen any of his 80s stuff. What? No, you haven't even
2: seen The Outsiders?
1: I saw The Outsiders. I so you've, seen, sh- like you've
2: his... seen shit like Night and Day? I have not, no. Okay.
1: All right. But I've seen, you know, like uh, Spielberg, the documentary Spielberg. <laughs> and my Scientology <laughs> oh, movie. And you did watch Val. Apparently he's in Val. He is in Val. That's right. Mm. I guess, so. Are you
2: going to talk about Val?
1: Yeah, I'll talk about Val a little bit. Uh, jo- yeah. uh, Kevin watched it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, sweet. All right, Kevin, go ahead. Sorry about that.
3: <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so the other day, Blake and I rewatched uh, Congo because it was on Netflix, and like I-, I said in my Letterboxd review, like it's not a good movie. Like it's pretty dumb, and some of the stuff like looks pretty looks pretty terrible. But like. God, Ernie Hudson is so great in this. And like he's he's so mu he's so much better than this movie deserves. Just the the swagger and the charisma that he has. Like he his accent never falters. He's always he's always his character is always on point. What kind and, of accent does he have? I don't know. It's some like I don't know, maybe you'd call it like mid-Atlantic like it's not like totally like a British accent but it's not like I don't know like uh I I call it mid-Atlantic because that was what um uh Keith Carradine called his accent in the Duelists like it's very proper but it is not quite an English accent.
1: It's like, it's like See, the English take over America. And at some point there's like a middle sort of almost English, but not
3: quite. Yes, exactly. Losing exactly. Accent a little bit. Yeah. And you know, cause like he, I think he, I don't know if he did that like on his own or if he wanted to be like as far removed from a uh, cartels, like, you know, blatant New York <laughs> accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, like Ernie Hudson is great and like the five total minutes that uh Joe Pantoliano is in it, he's fantastic too. Uh do you ever review of uh, Bruce Campbell's performance? Also good. Um I mean, you know, obviously it's it's not Army of Darkness, but uh how's the guy from Nip Tuck? Not great. <laughs> he's not horrible, but he's not great either. I haven't seen this oh, movie since I was Oh, and there's like nine, uh so.
2: <laughs> yeah, same here.
3: And there... And uh there's like a like 2 minute like um 2 minute performance from uh a very young John Hawks. Ooh. And uh like he's great for the like 2 minutes that he's like playing dead and then screaming and then actually dying. Nice. So
2: this uh this cast is massive. I think we're just going to keep asking you about specific people. Uh Del- or
3: Lindo. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> That's because like a lot of people, eh? Yeah. Well, you know, w- yes. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, ag- again, like it's it's like very much like it's very much a comedy performance in the middle of this, you know, like sort of like actiony, you know, um, thriller kind of kind of deal. But like he's just obviously having so much fun being this corrupt African official, and <laughs> he's. Gonna- it's very entertaining. Okay. When, I do uh, remember
1: uh yeah. Grant Heslov being in it cuz I remember oh, seeing yes, him yes. every once in a while in the 90s before he became just like a strict writer.
3: Yeah, and I remember like I remember like him from the movie and then like seeing that he was like Clooney's writing partner and I was mm-hmm. like, "That guy? He's
1: got an Oscar."
3: Yeah, me. yeah. Yeah. I need to
2: uh I'm going to scrub my rating of this movie. Because I definitely haven't seen it since elementary school. Oh. And, uh, you rated it in elementary school? I probably rated it more like in 7th grade when I started rating movies on IMDb. You were out mm-hmm. of your
1: mind, dude. You were rating movies in 7th grade. <laughs> like, I, Fuck yeah. I wish I what was as into movies as you. Doing movies as you. Dude, I was not <laughs> into film quite that early. I, I was the... The first thing uh, that I really saw that like that like blew my mind and made me like start thinking about film and like wanting to watch movies all the time and associating movies with certain directors was uh my dad showing me Full Metal Jacket. Like that was the first thing I was like, Okay, this is different than all other movies that I've ever seen and I need to seek out more things like this and then I started really thinking, but I was like fifteen or fourteen or fifteen when that happened. So
2: So I know I know what got me on on the train. It was uh, when my dad, very stupidly, uh, brought home Mulholland Drive from Blockbuster, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, like rented it just like for us to watch together. My younger brother, my dad, and I. Um, <laughs> and Why? He, I don't know. He didn't make it through the end. He was like, "This is so boring." And I was like, "I don't know if it's boring. I don't know if it's good or bad. But this is fucking weird." Uh, so my brother and I, after watching it, had no idea what was going on. Uh, we spent like a lot of time on the internet. Like we found uh, like basically early IMDB forums and sources to help us like figure out what the hell was going on. Mm. And then we took that movie and we showed it to several more of our friends and did more internet sleuthing. Um, So I think that is probably when I actually started the IMDB thing. Did you figure it out? What was going on? Yeah. I mean – I guess I didn't figure it out. I read what was going on. It's like cheating. But yeah. once mm. I once I knew what was going on, I liked the well, movie a lot more. You
1: read interpretations of what was going yes. on, right? I mean mm.
2: Yes. I read
1: people's theories. I remember uh before this podcast we uh, Jonathan and I had a podcast called the What We Watch podcast, mm. and we talked about all of Lynch's films on one of the episodes. And we, <laughs> I remember thinking, out, we we talked about it on the show. We talked about Mulholland Drive for like an hour, and we were like, I think we figured it out. We're done. We've got it. Like, <laughs> we understand <laughs> everything about this movie. Wow. Up upcoming uh, Criterion 4K also. So oh yeah, it's going to need to be watched again.
2: You know, I got on. Uh, I got an offer up yesterday. That's like. You know, one of like the sell and buy apps or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and uh, look to see if I could get a 4K player under a hundred dollars and under a hundred dollars, maybe. I don't. They're <laughs> so mind. expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. Get a PS5. Where? Where do you get PS5s? You got to go on Twitter and PS5. you got you to
1: start following all these different. They have loads of different Twitters that their all their function is is to let you know when there are restocks. It's and they alert insane. you when there's
2: a restock. That's how Jonathan got his. And it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think they restock them for less than a hundred dollars. Do what? I don't know. Oh, th- oh yeah. Think they they're five, they're $500. Yeah. yeah. Five
1: hundred. But I mean, you know, you get, then you get a PlayStation.
2: That would so. be such, <laughs> such a, an easy sell with my wife. Hey honey, I got this 4k Blu-ray player, uh, that also plays games. I'll never play those games, but
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, good. Hey, did you know that uh it's funny Congo is written by John Patrick Shanley who also <laughs> wrote Doubt? <laughs> like <laughs> such a serious sort of film. But he also wow. wrote Joe Versus the Volcano. So I mean, he's kind of just oh, like okay. I guess he's just sort of a
2: There's I mean you know, yeah, there's yeah. an underground Joe Versus the Volcano like movement. Oh, I know. Certain people fucking love that movie. I don't yeah. know, does anyone like love congo as like a as a legit masterpiece i, don't I think that jordan I'm talked f- about
1: it on their podcast i think yeah so. i'm pretty you know, sure fans, did. obviously because it's like oh, stupid 90s movies so they have mm. to like it
2: you know? well where so kevin where does this movie sit kind of in that in that like 90s actiony zone is this like more, i mean one of the more ridiculous ones but enjoyable or is it like good and
3: enjoyable where are we at I mean, I would say that it's good, enjoyable. Um, I don't know. Some some other people... I don't know. Like, because, like, like, yeah, this is what I would say, but also now we're getting into the territory of, like, you know, quote-unquote, cinephiles who will either, like, blast something like this for being, you know, stupid and poorly acted and, you know, it's, you know... It's not Christopher Nolan. It's not Stanley Kubrick, um, and th- but then, but then They're at really the other, guess, yeah, <laughs> but then, but then you know on on the other hand, like you would you would have people who would like only want to appreciate it for its you know dumb value, you know, like like I, I, Jr. wasn't Jr. wasn't on the podcast when when I brought this up a while back, but like. Um, like i always like I was asking like John and Jonathan like like how many how many people do you think like legitimately think that like Twin Peaks is actually like really you know the height of like t te- you know television and storytelling versus people who just like it bec- you know because it's weird and because it's goofy, like you know they don't actually have any legitimate attachment to it they just you know like to laugh at it
1: yeah that's and you know like you
3: know that's their opinion and and whatever but like i don't know like i feel like i don't know
1: I i it is annoying actually just i mean not to get off on like twin peaks but like that idea of like when you hear when you read people talking about twin peaks online more often than not, it is that. it's the, the, the commentary is just that, oh, this is so crazy and weird. It's awesome. Mm. And it's like there's no uh, sort of inclination towards investigating any of its meanings or, like, trying to figure out what Lynch is trying to say or, like, what the themes might be or what the message is. It's just sort mm. of this is so weird and it's so cool and it's hysterical and it's, you know, kind of... Uh, kind of a bummer because Lynch is mm. obviously, he's not just doing something to be silly. You know, he's not, um, that kid Giuseppe who makes uh <laughs> surrealist <laughs> cinema just to be goofy. And, uh, you know, or like Harmony Korine even who I think Harmony Korine is talented, but he's definitely seems like he's sort of self-aware
2: at this point, which is less mm. interesting. So anyway, I don't know. The, the way I phrased my question was almost judgy as in like, However you want to enjoy this, enjoy it. Uh, Mm. But yeah, I was just curious, you know, about any sort of like, uh, I don't know, qualities that you'd like seriously recommend uh, without having any sort of like nostalgic relationship to it or just liking the genre. I
3: don't know. Yeah, I mean, the nostalgia definitely comes in with uh, Tim Curry. Because, like, his, his performance is, like, very much over the top, you know, because he's Tim Curry. But, um, like, there, like, there's a point where he's, like, uh, explaining, like, who he is and, like, he does this little lip quiver that, like, you know, shows that, like, his character is, like, really, like, into what he's doing and you know it's like subtle things like that like yes it's silly yes it's over the top but like he's also like doing things that an actor does to convey you know emotion and to like you know stick with a stick you know get over a character you know so hmm. yeah so i mean you know like yeah opinion you know everybody has their opinion but like yeah i mean
1: it's just you feel sorry for people who can't allow themselves to enjoy mm. like, something silly and stupid, and that's fine. You know, there's like nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's what the, yeah. I don't know. That's what the rating system is all about, right? Like you, like yeah. what you said at the beginning of your review, it's not a good movie, but it's you know, it's fun. Like, yeah,
3: it's okay and to yeah, have fun like with something. and yeah, like just because I give it, you know, just because I give it a four, a four out of five, like I'm not the MPAA. You know, I'm not deciding that it's a rated R movie. <laughs> You know, because, like, I think, like, that's that's one of the, bi- you know, that's the big thing about, like, opinions, whether it's on, you know, movies or music or, you know, what whatever, you know, we, whatever we consume. Like, once, you know, once someone starts talking about something you like negatively, it's like, oh, they're not talking about that. They're talking about me, which is not, mm. you know, more often is not the case unless, you know, that person's just being a dickhead. And they're you know, they're out there, but all right. Um I'm gonna check this out. Cool.
1: I uh I guess I'll go next. I watched Jesus Christ, what am I gonna talk about here? You wanna talk about Suicide Squad, guys? Yeah. Did we all watch this? Kevin, do you watch this?
3: No, nah, I have no oh, you didn't interest watch in this it. either? <laughs> well
1: we'll still talk about it. It's not as important yeah. as the Green Knight.
3: Um So,
1: Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, is the new film from uh, James Gunn and the newest DCU, EU movie. And uh, I don't know. I, you know, this is a, uh, a sort of a sequel to the other one, I suppose, but not really. It's not connected at all, except that it has three of the same characters, one of whom doesn't make it very far.
0: And um, four,
1: four of the same characters. Four? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Amanda Waller. Sorry, she's in it too. Yeah. I forget. I'm looking at the uh, letterbox banner, and she's not in that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, and I just this is a, a perfect example of one of those movies that Kevin was just talking about. That is just fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was uh, appropriately violent. <laughs> Not over the top, though. I mean, it is over the top, like compared to other violent movies, but it's not, it didn't get to the point where it was like goof, like, uh, not goofy, but, um, disgusting, I guess. Like, you know, like sometimes movies can get so violent that I'm like turned off, but this one wasn't, uh, that much. It was, I think it struck a really good balance, and I enjoyed the humor, some of the humor, not all of it. Uh, And particularly, I thought... The first thing I laughed at was Pete Davidson in the very first shot of Pete Davidson. (laughs) I don't know, JR, if you remember this one. He's reaching for his guns by the guard. Do you remember that? No. He's, like, pretend reaching for his guns. He's, like... (gasps) Oh. (laughs) And the guy's, like... (laughs) Oh, it was good stuff. And um, I love the sort of bait-and-switch of the very beginning, how they introduced the new team and the new team... Uh, immediately is dispatched. I really like that,
2: and I I thought that was kind of <laughs> given away in the trailers. Like, you know, there, there's like that walk up with that team, and them in mm-hmm. the helicopter, and then every other thing in the trailer is the easier yeah, to true.
1: A little bit of deductive reasoning would lead you down that uh, path, but I wasn't thinking that hard about the trailer. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> so. uh,
2: you know, and that that opening scene where most of that team is dispatched is uh you know it, it's there to set a tone for sure mm-hmm. and that's probably the most like grossly violent scene yeah. in the movie yeah i would think like you know with what happens to Blackguard and uh and boomerang black
1: guard i love how you're using their their character names like i know who any of these people. black guard who's
2: black guard's pete davidson i was trying to avoid specifically spoiling (laughs) like which actor dies yeah yeah (laughs) sure okay
1: so but yeah I, i thought i thought all that was really good i really liked um the some of those characters their deaths were really funny too and um I really the other thing that I was like if if anything I was actually impressed by with this movie as far like first of all I think it looks really good. I think it's shot really well and I enjoyed the cinematography. It's shot digitally, but I th- I thought it looked very filmic, which was nice. And um I really enjoyed Idris Elba's performance, which is weird because I again was just talking about him in Prometheus and how good he is in that, but he's really good in this. Like I felt like his I like to sort of, you know, fed up. Almost like a like he knows what he has to do but he doesn't want to do it. He's kind of bummed out about it and like he's I don't know. I I really I enjoyed it like every, I like that he was the central character. I'm glad they didn't focus on Margot Robbie. I'm glad they focused on him cuz I yeah. thought Margot Robbie was the least interesting person and the worst performance of the film. She,
2: I did not think she was the worst performance, but I, I, I it, she almost felt like a, <laughs> like a James Gunn felt like he had to include her, hmm. even with how you know, she separated for from the group for much of it and yeah, and that, that's one of my problems with this movie was its treatment of its like actual characters, like the characters it wanted on screen for most or all of the movie. Um, I just thought it was kind of bizarre. He like, I guess if you're going to have Harley in like a supporting role, give her more to do besides just have like an old boy boy style hallway fight. Um, and well, I thought that the the whole the dictator
1: guy was good. Sure. Like how they, they, they sort of build that up to like, it's going to be something and then, you know, immediately. Undercut. I mean, that's sort of this whole movie, right? They're like building these narratives that are very cliched and then they're undercutting them.
2: I guess, uh, it, it maybe it's on some level I, I had just an issue with how cynical that idea is. Like, yeah. I know these guys are supposed to be disposable, but like, it really bothered me with uh, with Polka Dot Man who. Den just doesn't have a lot to do and every joke we get with him is the same joke just like I, we do the mother thing like three times each time the mother's bigger Wh- whatever it's good uh, every time <laughs> i, it's, I love just the mother thing i was not i love it i, I understand like that's like his motivation to to be mm-hmm. you know the violent person they need him to be but uh it's just like the payoff on that is not it's like nothing it just it just makes it so he's Like, even as the movie near the end is, like, trying to do a thing where, you know, we are coming together as villains and sort of being heroes. Like, he just never stops being a joke. Uh, And I thought that was weird. It's like Ratcatcher gets to be a person. Idris Elba gets to be a person. Harley even gets to sort of be a person. Uh, And he does not. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Like, I thought the... Whenever they're facing
1: the main villain at the end of the film i kept thinking to myself like why isn't polka dot man just annihilating this guy because like he's obviously like the most powerful of all of them it's like why doesn't he just kill this thing and uh and then i and then uh idris elba says to him you know that's your mother get it (laughs) you know and uh and then he does but he doesn't kill it he just shoots its arm i was like why are you shooting its arm or its leg or whatever like, why wouldn't you just kill it but it's like obviously because they need that moment where he's that's his yeah. big moment where he's a superhero and then he gets obviously again they just completely undercut that moment right they let's kill him immediately yeah i
2: don't know that uh, yeah this which but is I don't fine know. i thought the
1: image i thought the i like the visual of what he does i like the visual of the uh the boils the sort of neon boils that appear on his skin yeah. i thought that looked really cool and it's an interesting visual I, that I haven't seen before. Um, I really also, I hate to admit it, but I liked John Cena quite a bit in it. I don't <laughs> love all of his <clears throat> humor, but I like the rivalry between him and Idris Elba. And I like the... i In particular, I really love the scene where they are going to rescue um, Rick Flagg and they through that rebel camp killing everybody and then they (laughs) yeah and then at the end there's the the great payoff (laughs) i thought that really was just
2: wonderful that that was absolutely terrific that is one of my my favorite scenes for sure yeah but you know and what happens to him near the climax Mm. was not super unpredictable but that was another thing where it's like rick flag was one of my favorite characters in this which wow like i he was awful in the first <laughs> suicide squad oh yeah it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, like sure. this character has no purpose just like to be a this like babysitter and and joel kinnaman was just bad and i thought joel kinnaman was really good and he felt like a lived-in character which was cool uh i still don't really know his purpose like amanda waller sent him off with the team that just dies uh, yeah i, I agree i thought know. that
1: was strange too it's like, it's like so were they were they sending him in to die also it makes no sense,
2: yeah, I don't know, but uh, but then she like, it's like, you have to go get him, you know, yeah. he's been captured you ha he's clearly important, I sent him to die, he's clearly important, um <laughs> but that uh I felt like his his turn near the end, where he like you know becomes really invested in the idea that like his government was was trying to hide something and fucking everyone like i felt like that kind of came out of nowhere and it's just a turn we needed to to create the right conflict with peacemaker
1: yeah i mean that kind of thing those those kinds of like plot machinations aren't things that bother me in a movie like this that's that's all i think that's where it's sort of the difference in our You've always and got
2: some excuse. I'm taking this no. too seriously because I'm no, no. I don't fly. think you're taking it too
1: seriously. I just think I just I don't I just am not thinking about those things. Like those, can, I would consider that a nitpick. Like I don't care what the reason is behind the violence. I just want to see the violence. Like this movie is close to pornography. Like it's just and and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just it's an entertaining. It's built to entertain. I don't care about the themes. I don't care about the. Um, emotional shit with Ratcatcher too. In fact, they could have jettisoned all of that Taika Watiti bullshit. Like, I don't need any of that to be in this movie.
2: That was. I don't
1: need. I don't even need that. the father daughter stuff with <coughs> Idris Elba, even though
2: I like the scene the with the, him the and the shouting match with Storm Reid was was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I <coughs> liked it, but I don't need it. I don't no. need any of the serious bits at all. Like, it's completely unnecessary. He had but, to, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a it, movie, so you have to. Like, it's it's built like it's you know. Uh, movies are built in a certain way big movies like this and you have to have emotional stakes i get that stakes like, i don't Damn need it. emotional stake i don't give a fuck like i just I couldn't, want to see people get shot couldn't <laughs> come up with that fucking word earlier
2: stakes oh, yeah <laughs> there you uh, go yeah. Yeah. uh that's that's fine i guess i well that kind of just makes me wish like if james Gunn is going to do this like super cynical movie um mm. where he's going to dispatch everyone and it's going to be fun i'd rather someone just let him commit to, to doing that instead yeah. of trying to do the emotional stuff because that does bug me. At the end, all the emotional stuff just kind of feels out of place. And I agree. I, I I like that, you know, uh like it's clearly like a commentary, like he's got two characters that are exactly like the main character in the last one, the Will Smith character, Deadshot. Mm-hmm. Like Bloodsport and Deadshot are the same person. They are I thought they, uh, I
1: thought he was recast. Okay. I don't understand. Like it's, no, insane.
2: it's they're And like, and then peacemaker is like, yeah, same, same exact power set. They're just sharpshooters, weapons experts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like having the stormy daughter thing is all like, like Will Smith was motivated by the same daughter shit. Uh, you know, so I guess if we're going to do a commentary or, or play with that and like acknowledge that we have the same character having, um, uh, Idris Elba and his daughter shout at each other instead of having touching emotional moments was was probably the right way to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, his, Idris Elba is better than Will Smith. Of course. And John Cena was probably the most funny part of this. I don't know. The, uh, I, I also enjoyed it. Yes, I've got all these nitpicks uh, that bring it down. Like, I wish that they would just co- like everyone's calling Amanda Waller a villain. I don't think either movie has like seriously committed to making her a villain. Like she's probably still gonna be sending Suicide Squads out on missions if they do another sequel. Sure. Uh, the The people she like has on her team, at, you know, at the control center or whatever, wherever they are. It's like we're introduced to them with. Uh, like they're taking they're like doing a betting pool on who will die on the mission. I thought that was funny too. Yeah, that, that is a funny idea. <laughs> I thought that was That, really that is a funny idea. <laughs> yeah. But all of a sudden, like even though they didn't have any cameras or mics while uh like the the team went on like this whole journey, we just like all of a sudden uh once the big villain comes out, uh like dis- disrupts the communication block, they just like are able to see them again and then like her team is Suddenly very humanized where, you know, they stop Amanda Waller from, like, pulling the plug on what's going on. And I was like, all right, well, yeah, that that turn was earned. No. I, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> and Again, plus, like, I, <laughs> that that big guy, that big guy who I sometimes think is funny. I, I don't remember his name. He looks like not, Nick Frost. I not thought it was Nick Frost for, like, the half of the movie. No, he, I mean, he's like, a, he's like a giant version of, giant American Nick Frost. Yeah. mm he he's like a, a bit player. He's been in like a bunch of sitcoms as like a, a weirdo or homeless guy. Um he's that kind of dude. <laughs> but his they just gave him some some bad material. Yeah. He was Sasquatch? Oh, not Sasquatch. Was a Kaiju. <laughs> his Kaiju line oh, it was lame. His
1: fucking Kaiju, yeah. That was, that was really pretty lame. I'm not mm. that but you know what are you going to do? Hey, Lloyd Kaufman's in this. I didn't realize that. Oh. He's in the uh he's in the bar apparently. Mm. Anyway, um, you know, James Gunn's a huge Kaufman head. Didn't he work for Kaufman? Yeah. That's yeah. uh Troma, right? Right, Troma. He mm. wrote Tromeo and Juliet, I think. Mm. Anyway, uh okay. Well uh
2: yeah, that's uh, Suicide Squad. It's in your, it's your favorite movie of the year so far?
1: No, uh, it has not um usurped Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. It's a much better film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know what are you gonna do? Mm. I hope I'm hoping that. Uh, but better, than I made a pick. top. I made a top ten list, or I ranked the movies I've seen so far this year. I hope none of those films are in my top ten by the end of the year. That's what not I'm even thinking. Judas. Mm. Maybe Judas, like at number ten. You okay. know, <laughs> like I'm hoping we get lots of better movies, but I'm, mm. I'm not. I'm not hopeful about it, to be honest. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> We'll October is a huge month. Do I was thinking about October the other day? Mm. There's like 25 movies coming out in October that are all huge. It's insane. Yeah, it's going to be massive. You got Edgar Wright's movie. You got uh, Wes Anderson's movie. You got Halloween. You got the new Scream they just announced is coming out on Halloween, which is going to mm. be weird because they're going to be competing directly with each
2: other. Right. That's, doesn't sound strategically. I good. agree. Yeah. You got
1: Dune. I mean, it's just, there's so, it's, it's insane. It's yeah. It's going to be a really, uh, the new Bond film
2: is coming out in October. It's going to be crazy. wonder if I can ask school for a sabbatical.
1: Yeah. I need the month off for sure.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, All right. you know, do two a days, um, you know.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. Kevin, I guess. As yeah. As as okay. Jared and I just
2: Back talked to Kevin.
3: Yeah. Uh, So let's see. So I did a uh, couple of Criterion uh, films this go-round. Um, the Thin Blue Line, The Philadelphia Story, and Pick Up on South Street. And they were all decent. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say about them, which I know JR is like, what? Because like, he gave Pick Up on South Street a, you know five stars. So, yeah. so I was. Uh, oh. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, huge fan. If if I watched it, if I if I watched it again, then I might uh, I might think better of it. But this time around, I just it just didn't do it for me. And, Jr's
1: uh, five star ratings are a lot like when Silent Bob speaks <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> And he wants it to have more power and meaning when he speaks, so that so that he does it so rarely. So Jr. never gives five stars, and then when Such he does give one, he's like, "Is this is
2: a momentous occasion?" I've given it five stars. <laughs> Such an offensive comparison. Uh, no, I mean, pick up on South Street. Uh, it's probably one of the first movies I ever saw, like in this sort of like noir crime genre. Mm. I was. I was just so super into it to the point where now, if I watch it again, I think I'd probably end up still giving it five stars, but, um, that might on some level be the, the attachment and that's okay. I also, Mm. you know, I mean, you you guys know, I really like Sam Fuller. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. This is a good Sam Fuller movie.
3: Yeah. And I will say Richard, uh, Widmark is fantastic in it. I think like he's, He's better than anybody else in the movie, and he's like his performance is better than like almost every other aspect of the movie. (laughs) Okay, I'm just kidding. Oh, (laughs) um, and (laughs) so I also rewatched uh The Wicker Man, which. Which one? Uh, uh, the original. I haven't seen the Nick Cage one because I don't. I don't feel like it. Um,
1: they have a viral clip going around of um, Alex Wolf and Nick Cage on the red carpet,
3: oh and God. Nick Cage
1: says that uh, there was a piano on the set of Pig, and that Alex Wolf was singing songs using, uh, making up lyrics using dialogue from The Wicker Man.
0: <laughs> Jeez. And Nicholas oh, a, Cage is
1: like, is like, he won't let me live it down.
2: <laughs> what, a, what a troll! yeah wow <laughs>
3: that's great Yeah, uh, but uh yeah the wicker man definitely follows it it's sort of like congo in that it's like entertaining but in a more more in a dumb way because <laughs> like it's very like uh it's very silly and ridiculous and i i still don't understand what christopher lee saw in this film um He says it's his favorite
1: performance.
3: Yeah, his favorite performance, he did publicity for it for free. He, oh, oh no, I'm sorry. He did it he did it for free and he paid for publicity for it. And I, I I just don't understand. I mean, if he really like One thing I will say is like the the animal masks and costumes that are in the film are like really fucking creepy and really well made. Um but like the whole the whole, you know, like we gotta sacrifice a virgin so the crops on this island will be will will bloom again. Um and, and the whole like like it just takes so long to get where it's going. And yeah, I agree. <laughs> I thought I was very
1: bored it watching it.
3: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah, if you're looking for some over the top acting and, uh, some
1: (laughs) (laughs) if you really want to be bored for 90 minutes, yeah, yeah.
3: And if, and you know, if you really want to, if you really want to see a Scottish man being very prudish and, um, intolerant (laughs) of other religions, (laughs) this is the movie for you. It's yeah because like there the whole yeah because <clears throat> and uh i mean th-
1: this was on your criterion challenge list
3: no no this is just oh. like blake and i saw that it was on prime and we had nothing to do so it's like yeah let's watch the wicker man
1: all right um do you want to talk about val let's talk about val so val is a so, brand new documentary on uh that. on amazon prime directed by Leo Scott and Ting Poo, uh, who are I guess first time filmmakers. I've never heard of it. yeah, this is our only credit. Mm. Um and it's uh it's about Val Kilmer and his life and his on, career I, uh, in Hollywood.
2: I don't want to hear spoilers for this. I'm gonna Okay. I'm gonna duck out for just a second. okay right. no problem. <laughs> so uh yeah. Mm.
0: I,
1: I personally I thought Val was a really well-done sort of biography film. Mm. Um, It didn't get into a lot of things that I wish it would have. Like, I wish Val Kilmer would have been more open about his opinions about certain events in his life. Like, things that are sort of like legend now, like the idea that he was passed over for the Oscar for Tombstone. Mm. Or, um, like, he, he goes, I know in his book he talks a lot about um, the making of Heat. Like I was expecting some more information about that, yeah. but that's not really what this movie's about. It's more about like his spiritual journey and like mm. him becoming the person that he is, and like him as an artist being wanted, uh, wanting to be taken seriously as an artist, and uh, not really getting the opportunity because he immediately was sort of thrust into movie stardom and had to become Batman and be in Top Gun and all these other kinds of throwaway hollywood movies yeah um but i love the behind the scenes stuff i love the video footage um i could have used more of it to be honest but it was always great and uh like i just more i mean more like him shooting like when he was like him shooting in the in the uh backstage in the play at the beginning with uh, kevin bacon and sean penn yeah like that kind of stuff is great him in the trailer with uh Kurt Russell was great on set of Tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I uh I don't know, it was really enjoyable, very easy to watch. What do you think, Kevin?
3: Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like um at a certain point though, it does get kind of depressing cuz it's kind of like like almost almost everything that he almost every like film that he like goes into depth about is like you know, I really was looking forward to this, and then it really bummed me out. You know, yeah. I was really looking forward to this, and then, uh, you know, then then they shit on the movie, because um, you know, like whether it was, um, like I know he said like he wasn't really into playing Iceman, but like at least he had you know an, an enjoyable thing on that. But like then w- once you get to once you get to his stuff in the nineties, it's like just, he, he's just not having a good time except for, like, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean the doors was like 91, I think. Yeah. That but, was um, like super early. And yeah. it's,
1: it's interesting because it's like, if what's kind of ultimately sad about it is that the things that he's talking about, like being sort of forced into this position of taking these jobs that he's not passionate about, like nowadays that would never happen. Right. Like he could, he mm. could, self-finance his own films now if he wanted to and he Mm. could or he could you know make things happen with like a smaller distributor like A24 or Annapurna or something like this Mm. and you know and he could use his movie star cachet to sort of be in more important uh, dramatic work or whatever he considers to be good, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he could maybe direct films. Cause obviously he has, I'm surprised he never directed cause he's got mm-hmm. a, he's obviously got like a taste for that. Like he's filming everything all the time. Right. Yeah. It's like, surprising that he never decided to, um, direct anything. I mean, I guess he was planning on directing the Mark Twain thing before yeah. he got sick yeah and then but that honestly that sounds like a nightmare to me like I wouldn't (laughs) like I mean I'm not a huge fan of Mark Twain to begin with but like the whole like his stage play would have seems like it might have been interesting to watch but I can't imagine Mm. making a film out of it like what is the film gonna be (laughs) absolutely
3: like yeah. yeah I feel like like in person it would be you know and it it would be so much its own thing that, like, getting it on screen, there would just be too much going on. It would be too weird. It wouldn't be easy to follow yeah. and, like, not in a good way. Um, I thought it was good
1: a uh, good idea to use his son as the narrator. Yeah, his, <laughs> his sounds son sounds, sounds, like
3: yeah, sounds a lot like him. Um, so that was a cool idea. Yeah.
1: And I like sort of the moments of his son like they cut to him recording that th- stuff and he doesn't, he's like, he's like, is that true?
3: Like he, yeah. like he doesn't, he hadn't heard these things before. Yeah. That. Yeah. And like, uh, <laughs> I really, I really like that. Uh, that, that scene where like, he's like grabbing his shoes or something. And then he falls over like dad, dad,
1: oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <pretending>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not
3: funny. It's not funny. Oh, yeah, it's fucking this stuff, funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. All the stuff with his kids, is very like touching mm. like especially like when he calls his uh daughter and she's and she's like gonna meet him or whatever and he gets all excited that she's like i was like that's so like yeah <laughs> that's very very heart, heartwarming yeah <laughs> you know that he's so close to his kids but uh yeah i mean you know i think it's a definite it's a definite go it's a go picture <laughs> yeah you know? for sure so anyway well now okay uh jr's still gone eh <laughs> yeah. Uh let's see. GR's still gone. I'll yeah. talk about I can talk about something
3: else real quick. Yeah, go ahead.
1: It's kill time. Uh I watched Outlaw King. Have you seen Outlaw King?
3: No, I remember I remember us talking about it when geez, this was like years ago when the trailer Yeah, yeah, came yeah it out. came
1: out in twenty eighteen. I mean it's right, about, right, right. You know, three years old already. But mm. it works as a direct sequel to Braveheart. Um, except that, you know, Chris Pine plays the Angus McFadden role. So it's a little strange, but, um, William wall it's in like the aftermath of William Wallace's execution. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they're trying to figure out who is going to have power. And they're sort of, everybody's sort of sucking up to the King of England, Longshanks, Mm. and uh, who is still alive because apparently he didn't die, uh, at the same time as Wallace, like it's portrayed in Braveheart. Mm. And, um, but the thing about outlaw king is that it works uh very much like an action movie like it's i it was had way more action than i thought it was going to have mm. it's uh it's like the opposite of that uh timothy chalamet movie the king oh yeah it's also a netflix movie which has like almost no action and when it does have a battle it's not particularly exciting or bloody or anything mm. this one's every battle is very very violent very very graphic um lots of people getting slashed and blood spraying all over the place. <laughs> Aaron Taylor-Johnson plays James Douglas, Lord of Douglas, <laughs> and he is so over the top and angry in this movie mm. that but it's somehow really fun to watch him. Like he's just he's out of control. He's like screaming constantly. It's silly, like I'm laughing at it, but it's also you know, fun to watch. And uh Shit, there it is. Um, and uh, it has Florence Pugh, mm. and then her, I guess you'd consider this an early role. I think she was like 22 when she did this, right? And uh, she plays uh, Robert De Bruce's wife, mm. and uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it's definitely serviceable, it's worth watching, it's not amazing, but it's definitely entertaining enough. And, uh, the performances are, none of them are great, but none of them are horrible either. Mm. Chris Pine does a very good Scottish accent. Oh, cool. Very, very believable. And it's got, you know, your, like, just loads of, like, Game of Thrones stunt casting. Yeah, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) You know, these kinds of things. It's got one of the guys from, uh, from the 13th Warrior, one of those guys. Oh, nice. So, Yeah. It's, uh, it's watchable. It's directed by Dave McKenzie who did
3: Hell or High Water. Oh. Also with Chris Pine. Right. I've been uh, meaning. Did, me did you see this? No, <laughs> I, see, I was, uh, that. I was thinking about watching it cause it's the, uh, what, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Bridges. No, uh, the guy wrote, uh, Foster? the oh. guy wrote Sicario.
1: Oh, oh right. Yeah. I, I forget about it. Yeah. That. Like yeah.
3: he, yeah, he wrote the wrote the screenplay for it, um,
1: that guy taylor sheridan that's it yeah
3: yeah um, it's on hulu apparently oh so. okay yeah might have to might have to check it out
1: this uh there's a great review from zach bronson that says it's like no country for old men if it was reimagined as a cbs pilot meant to appeal to a 22 to 64 demographic <laughs> 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 which is pretty accurate i wouldn't wow. but that i he he gets a very he gets a sort of a negative rating i don't think it's bad but mm. it is it is sort of like more palatable than Uh, it's in the same vein as no country, but it's a way more palatable than that. Like it doesn't have the weirdness of no country.
3: Right. Yeah. Like, um, Ben Foster's in it. You gotta love that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the other day, like this is off topic, but like the other day I was looking at like the, like on Wikipedia, like the list of like the contenders for the great American novel. And uh, blood, Merid- yeah. blood meridian was on there, and well, that is the great American novel. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, like you know, what else was on there? Oh, it was like, um, I think like Uncle Tom's Cabin was like the one that like the that was the one that the term was coined for. Um. But I think there's also, you know, it's like Great Gatsby and stuff like that. Uh, See if I can pull up that list. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm
1: not well-read enough to say what the great American
3: novel is, but Blood Meridian is certainly the greatest Mm. novel I've ever read. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Notable Candidates. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Last of the Mohicans... Scarlet Letter, Moby Dick, Uncle Tom's Cabin. The the only one that I would definitely say, like, no, you're wrong, is Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Because, like, there's... So, like... <sighs> Hating on Twain again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, sorry, Val, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. Like... <laughs> Like, my biggest problem with Huckleberry Finn is that, like, it, like, about halfway through the book, it basically becomes self-aware, like, so, like, uh, Jim has been taken away, like, he's been, you know, like, he's, they've taken him away, and they're taking him down to this plantation in Louisiana, and, like, Huck Finn is, you know, like, having this moral conundrum over, like, you know, like, I should save him because he's my friend. Oh, but his his life isn't worth as much as mine because he's black. What do? And like But then, like so he decides that he's gonna go down there and then Tom Sawyer shows up out of nowhere and it's a hundred pages of like okay, let's just save Jim. Like, no no, we gotta we gotta make it believable. We gotta make it a story. Like it's very like um you know you know how in like Django Unchained like we can't just waltz into a plantation and and steal a slave away like we got to have a we got to have a reason for us being there in the first place it's like that only it's dumb <laughs> and
1: yeah yeah I've, I, I I'm not a fan of Twain's writing at all like he's I had to teach some of his short stuff uh short stories during summer school actually and mm. They're so hard to teach because they're so like, uh, like they're tr- you know the the humor is just very like dated. It's mm. not modern day humor, so it's yeah difficult for the kids to enjoy at all or understand any of it at all. Yeah. But anyways, hey Jr's back. Yeah. Finally, Jr oh. thought we were going to talk about Val for thirty minutes, but <laughs> he
2: was wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think it was 30, but... yeah, Sorry. It's all good.
1: Um, yeah, so... We're on to you, JR. It's your turn. Okay, cool. Um,
2: (laughs) I watched, uh, Choke. Oh, Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is, uh... It's a very important movie that I waited 13 years to, to get around to. Um... You know, this... Clark Gregg, uh... Actor probably best known for his Marvel appearances now. Mm. No, um, he
1: was uh, he was uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus's ex husband on New Adventures of Old Christine. That's how I
2: know. I said <laughs> best known now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just you know, lead of lead of his own Marvel show. Um, sorry. So yeah, he made this, put it out in two thousand eight, which is probably the height of my love for Chuck Palahniuk. You know, writer of. Fight Club and... Various choke. other thing. Mm. And Choke, yeah. This. And yeah, um... Yeah, didn't love it. Didn't love... i real negative Nancy today. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Sam Rockwell is a con man, fuck up, sex addict who uh, works at what I guess is basically like a rural life museum. Um,
0: mm.
2: You know, where they play the the roles of... of farmers in the 19th century 17th 18th century maybe um and he uses all his money to pay for his mother Angelica Houston's healthcare she's got dementia and uh then strikes up an odd relationship with uh, hot doctor Kelly McDonald who uh he believes is taking care of his mother um you know she's weird he's fucked up match match made in heaven um, I just, I, this is a movie where like almost everyone is just on autopilot. Like Sam Rockwell is doing like his shtick, uh, you know, just sarcastic asshole bit. Uh, it just, yeah, it just feels lazy. Uh, I did like Gillian Jacob. She is a small supporting role as a, we'll call her like stripper who, um, is probably really dumb, has that heart of gold. But she has a great uh, a deadpan delivery that I just really enjoy. And, um, yeah. The plotting tries to do, like, a couple big reveals that I think absolutely fall flat. And I don't remember enough about this novel to know if, like, this is just one of Polonix's worst books. Or if Clark Gregg just really didn't get the adaptation right. Adaptation right? I don't know. Yeah. Don't recommend. Don't revisit this one, guys.
3: I mean... I was not planning on it. <laughs> I Personally, I'm more leaning towards uh, a little bit of both. I think Clark Gregg is, like, not really the person for this material, but also I don't think it's one of Pollock's best work.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, this is one that I've never... I never felt compelled to, like, go buy it, apparently. Mm. And... uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it's such. It, in my, I don't know if my memory of it is now tainted by the movie. Uh, I'm probably not going to read his books. And honestly, I don't know if any of Chuck Palahniuk's books are good anymore. I haven't read them in so long.
3: I'd say Fight Club is still decent. Uh, but yeah, I. Um, there, there are several that I would like to reread, but I just don't yeah. know. Don't know if I'll ever have that kind of time. Like I want to reread uh, Invisible Monsters and Rant for sure, but um, yeah, I
2: bought um, I bought Rant on Audible just because I I would like to hear that with a you know oral history. I want to hear that with the full full cast. Might be good.
3: Yeah, for sure. I I
2: remember Rant being wild.
3: Yeah, and uh, (laughs) there is I do remember one funny part from the uh, from the Choke movie. Uh, there's that scene where, like, Sam Rockwell and that woman are using the uh, anal beads. And she, like, yeah. and she just yanks them out. And he goes, hey, I am not a lawnmower. <laughs> and that... Um, I don't know why. that's funny to me. I did,
2: yeah. And that's not the end of that payoff. The, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, like, the second to last scene in the movie involves, you know, the lost anal bead and... Yeah. i was like i don't i don't know if this joke works
3: yeah
1: <laughs> i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it definitely doesn't okay, okay great um, <laughs> thank you i just remember hating this movie so much but i mean i haven't seen it in probably 10 years but yeah I yeah it was an absolute piece of shit
2: <laughs> i'm curious I, I i almost think i would have hated it more in 2008 just with like how attached i was to the the author Mm. um but yeah glad i'm waited but also not happy that i decided to ever watch it
1: Mm. you gotta again you gotta watch to know if it's uh yeah you know you don't know until you watch right
3: yeah
2: yeah i don't know
3: all right kevin let's see uh so i finally got around to watching crouching tiger hidden dragon And I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like um, this is actually only the second Chow Yun Fat movie that I've seen, but uh, this is the first time you ever watched it. Yes, I know. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Like certain things just you know take me longer to get around to for whatever reason. Um. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I remember watching this uh, on the floor of my dad's living room we rented it and watched I watched it by myself though like nobody else watched it with me I was alone. Mm. I know I was alone because uh I got very excited. I was a little I was a teenager. I got very excited during one scene. <laughs> you know what scene I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah. But that's really all I remember about it. To be honest, is that one
3: scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Zhang Yeah, I mean, I think she's she's really good, and uh, the movie is really good. Um, you know, doesn't have Tony Leung, so it can't be a five. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, you know, you're not. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> like, like last night, I was like. Do I want to see Shang-Chi? Do I want to see Shang-Chi? Who else Ooh, is in I'll
2: it? Ab- I'll absolutely do it. I mean, I'm absolutely going. You guys are in. Yeah. I. It's done.
3: I, ju- I just, you know, it's, it's Tony. I got to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I also watched uh, Flowers of Shanghai, which Tony's in it, and he's great. But the movie is, like, very, very slow and very, like, I don't know, there's just not enough happening in it for me to, like, get majorly invested in. Like, So it's basically about um, uh, this brothel and the flowers who inhabit the brothel and all their, like, day-to-day drama with their patrons and... You know, it's Mm. not horrible. Like, like when when people like really start to emote and really start to you know like do something besides like tell jokes and party, then you know it it gets very good. But it just doesn't sustain that for all of two hours. So,
2: yeah. The um, I think how how Zhao Shen the director Mm. of that is. I think his style just really doesn't work for everyone. It's like, mm. it's almost like too patient sometimes. Um, and I liked flowers of Shanghai, but I don't like it as much as some of his other movies that I think just kind of pull off his style a little bit better.
1: Mm. Did you guys know that there is a a better tomorrow part three? Yeah. I had no idea.
2: Got it. Got it's it on directed by Sue, Sue Hark. Mm
1: suey harker however you say his name i had no idea
2: i got it because i i like him or i like can I you can, you, can
1: you send it to me because i i when i was a teenager better tomorrow part two was like a staple of our friday night get togethers we used to watch that shit all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that'd be great i'd love you can to see have
2: that. uh you can have the boys over <laughs> <laughs> watch some blood scenes <laughs> in mm. high school high school buddies
1: oh yeah um <laughs> okay, uh, the only thing left that I have to talk about... I mean, unless J.R. wants to talk about Killing of Two Lovers, but I, uh, I'm going to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which I watched after watching The Suicide Squad and enjoying it. Uh, I decided to give James Gunn's Marvel films a try because, you know, they're working in the same sort of uh, area in that they're ensemble group of misfit action movies and uh i know this is going to sound insane to jr because he thinks that suicide squad is probably you know on the exact same level as these movies but these movies are so much worse than uh the suicide squad and really the worst marvel films i've seen so far but which I was thinking about after that might not be fair because I feel like if I rewatched like Captain America: Winter Soldier, it would probably be a one or a one and a half, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, these movies just don't work at all for me. They're so uh, written. They're just so written. <laughs> it's just <laughs> nasty. Like this, this silly like uh, banter between the crew, especially any time the raccoon is involved. <laughs> like his sort of quick fire, you know, this is a funny joke and then Chris Pratt's like, "No, it's not funny and we shouldn't be talking about that." Is this what we're talking about right now. That same that same line of dialogue happens like four times in these movies. And it's like it's not even like they're calling back, it just happens in random spots. And it's so unfunny. It's like aggressively unfunny and uninteresting in my opinion. This is just me. Yeah. I know I'm <laughs> On the outs here, I think most people, uh, most Marvel fans, I think, think these movies are, you know, absolutely brilliant. And I know even you guys who aren't huge Marvel heads, you know, still give these a pass. But I this, I don't this give is... the second one a pass. Oh, you don't? Oh, I don't think. What'd you give it? Probably, like see. A,
2: probably a two. Let's see what
1: you gave it. I don't think you give it a two. All right, maybe. I don't remember.
2: It feels, in my head, it feels like a two. Mm. You give it a three. <laughs> the second one? That's a pass, bud. <laughs> Poor shit.
0: All right. Yeah, you did. Oh, oh
1: no, you I gotta love rewatch it. it. You love the second one. Yeah. <laughs> the second one is way worse than the first one, but... um, I remember that being true. That's yeah, mm-hmm. they're both really bad, though, Um, in my opinion. I just don't think any of the... Nothing really works. The, and the thing is about the first one, None of the humor for the first one works at all for me. And in the second one there are moments of humor that like make me smirk a little bit. They're always related to Drax. Uh but not everything he does is funny. Just a couple of moments are like kind of, you know, chuckle inducing. Mm. But the thing that makes the second one worse is the the thing that I all all you hear about how colorful these movies are. I don't think the first one is all that colorful, and the second one is nasty. Like the color is disgusting in the second one. This planet that Kurt Russell is essentially, is hideous. Like the it's just the nastiest looking digital, like composition of gross neon colors, and ah, <laughs> uh, it's just it's so gross to look at. I couldn't stand it. And Kurt Russell is like just you know,
3: you want to talk about phoning for some it in? Reason.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he's doing. Like I mean. I don't know. This character is just so boring. It's just so obvious that he's going to be the villain. Like, it's just
3: so tired, dude. I can't. I, these, these, these movies wear me out. Mm. I can't do it. Yeah. See, this is why Jr. and I were like, you know, just stop there because, like, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Well, I, I I thought I was done the last time, and I was just like, James Gunn sucked me back in. But these are, uh,
3: well, so, they don't do it. Well, like specifically when you when when you mentioned like uh, Winter Soldier. Like, like as much as you hate, like the comedy aspects of this one, that one is like so self-important. You would just be like, fuck this. These are too, though. That's the thing about these films. These films are not
1: like, you know, there's like moments that are attempting at humor, but these movies are totally self-serious. Like Chris Pratt is supposed to be like this tragic hero who (laughs) lost his mother and there's all these goofy, sad music cues and <laughs> it's just lame like i, I, I we're supposed to believe, like care about who any of these people are i don't give a fuck about any character in these movies like they're all equally vapid and empty mm. to me i don't know i just can't i,
2: I fucking i hate these fucking movies i'm how'd, sorry how do you, you feel it? about the music cues in the suicide squad I thought those no were, no no, I not the me- okay when
1: I say music cues I mean score cues oh okay Sorry. Oh. Guardians oh, no, has drops. a score Guardians has a score and it is atrocious it's the worst <laughs> yeah. score I've ever heard it's not the music the, the music in the Guardians films is whatever like it's not some of those songs are good some of those songs are not my not my thing I don't care about that though like that's fine whatever you know you choose songs that they, those songs have meaning obviously like they're it's very like sort of crowbarred in manipulative meaning but mm-hmm. you know whatever and this and the the I thought the music drops in Suicide Squad were better, but that's because they don't all have to be from seventies AM radio, right? Like, yeah, you have some interesting, you know, sort of more recent, uh, like eighties and nineties punk stuff and mm. whatever. So that was that was more fun. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just people, you know, that's why like you know the next my next stop would have been to say like oh if if these were somewhat watchable I might have watched like Ragnarok or something, you know because it seems like it's in the same vein as these, but now these, these scare me from Ragnarok. No offense, Kevin. I know you love Ragnarok. But <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I know, think the, this the, terrifies
2: taika, me. the Taika sense of humor is a lot different than what mm. the Guardians films are attempting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, you know, again, I don't recommend you watch it.
1: Well, I'm not going to. I can't. I mean, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, don't. I mean, maybe if I'm like sick for a month or something, I'm laying in bed. I might, <laughs> I might throw it on one and day. And you want to die? <think> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, I have nothing else to watch. I don't want to watch something serious. Maybe, you know? maybe if I want to get mad, I'll watch. Right, Marvel
3: right. Movie, but
1: I'm done with them for now. So, just gotta. Uh, and just that's uh, just gotta. That's all I have.
3: Red your blood it. pressure. Like, so, let me put on a Marvel movie. <laughs>
2: exactly, exactly. We get to take a break from hearing you bitch about them <laughs> until. <okay. laughs> And I so look, Kevin and I Kevin and I should to, to talk about Shang-Chi. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean,
1: I'm not gonna bitch about that. I haven't I will not see Shang-Chi and I have nothing to say about it. It looks ridiculous. It looks horrible, but
2: <laughs> it doesn't look great, but you know, Tony.
1: Yeah. But you guys Kaiser. You guys are sick in the head. That's alright.
3: <laughs> You're just now learning this? You've I known mean, us for how long?
1: <laughs> there's no actor that could make me watch that movie. Like I can't imagine. I can't think of an actor who I love that much who I'm going to watch a movie like that for.
2: Well, cause you're not a performances guy. Maybe if, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> maybe if, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman came back to life Oh, right. and he did one more film, I'd watch that film no matter what it was. Right.
2: <laughs> anyway, that's it for me. I'm out. Uh, TR? I'll just, I don't want to go into a full on thing about it, but, uh, I thought the killing of two lovers was really good. Um, that's on canopy right now. And, Surprisingly, the guy who took the Mel Gibson part on the Lethal Weapon uh, reboot on TV, and got uh, fired, he's really good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's apparently a crazy asshole. Oh yeah, um, but he, he
1: seems like it though. I could believe it watching his performance yeah. in this. I believe that he's like really intense about what he does, and he's that intensity doesn't work for a network television show. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I forget which Wayne's brother it was. Maybe Damon. Mm. Damon. Uh, but yeah, yeah he's damon like i don't have time Myrtle. for this shit we're on a shitty network show we're trying to shoot an episode in four days let's get it together right yeah and damon uh,
1: wayans is is coming from television he just ended his like he had a massive sitcom run mm. for like six seasons before he did lethal weapons so he's used to it this guy's never done anything as far as i know so you
2: know. no i mean but yeah he's clane crawford is his name i don't think we mentioned yeah. it he mm. is uh very good the so, I mean, it's basically this guy is, and his wife are separated. Uh, his children are living with the wife. Uh, it's clear that the wife is seeing someone um, while also kind of keeping Crawford, like, roped in. Like, or, or maybe just Crawford thinks they're going to work it out. That's probably more likely. Um, and, like, the one scene that the, uh, the other dude is in, Chris Coy, uh, where they kind of confront each other. Thought mm-hmm. was really good, and just the whole thing is just like there's just like this kind of like sense of um, impending violence, like in every interaction that uh, just kind of kept me uh, kept my butthole tight. You know, I was like, I don't yeah, know what's going to sure. happen. You're this clenched up the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I, I really
1: enjoyed it too. I, I thought uh, Crawford's performance was like really, really good, really raw. Um, I feel like the only the only real problem I have with it is that his sort of the level that he's at uh some of the other actors i mean not, not really the other actors just really one of them which is his oldest daughter she doesn't quite uh, match up and uh there's one that one scene in particular where she she attempts to showcase how mad she is and it's a little embarrassing uh,
2: <laughs> yeah um, i you know yeah yeah I, I thought the rest of the movie was good enough that i i just wasn't going to like sure you know, shit on it just because like one child actor didn't bring the heat. Uh, no, I agree. Which, it would have been
1: like a four and a half out of, or a five though for me if yeah. if she had been better or if that scene had been different. Mm. Um,
2: and I I don't know why I can't explain or put my finger on why, but I loved the final scene
1: where like, they're at the hardware store.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a
1: it. weird. I you know that scene. I was sort of like. I mean, it just, it feels sort of um, not fully realized in a way. Like, it feels like, okay, well, we know, like, I love the the penultimate scene, like the scene before that where he runs off the road and everything, and then she comes to him. I thought, oh, that was great. And then I'm like, okay, obviously, in the next scene, okay, this is how we're going to end things. This is sort of like a happy ending almost. But I just do
0: not? <laughs>
2: it's not? No, it's not. I mean, it's an ominous ending. He hasn't like, he hasn't changed his behavior at all. I feel like the, like the distance from like how that scene is shot. It's like very cold. It's uh, like them like kind of loading up into the truck is just like, it doesn't feel like a good happy ending. It feels like we're on the next phase of the cycle.
1: Like we're back to square one and now we're going to be fucked up again in a year or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so I guess I so. Felt. I mean, I guess I didn't think about that. I was just kind of thinking like, okay, well, that, that's it. So they're, they're good. And I felt like it was just more like a catharsis from the violence that happened sort of forced them together, like made her realize, you know, how much she cared about him sort of thing. But maybe that's only temporary, you know. But uh, anyways, yeah, I liked. It. I really liked the sound design. I like mm-hmm. the lack of score and the sort of clicking weird symbol bode symbol whatever they're doing there <laughs> it's just it's cool it's cool, yeah, it's cool it sounding cool. interesting idea because um, it's
2: another it's like score working with the content of the movie in the sense that like to me that kind of resembles like a like you know the gun click of like pulling the uh the trigger back i don't know how guns mm-hmm. work uh yeah, so the again, cocking the hammer mm-hmm. yeah thank you yeah. uh so again just like a constant reminder through the music that you know we had Chekhov's gun in the very first scene. <laughs> right. That, that's never going away.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, so I look forward to whatever this guy does next. I don't know who the guy is. Robert Mc-
2: McCohen? mccohen I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is this above or below sui- the Suicide Squad? Well, let me
1: just uh, check my list, JR. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the list uh, it
3: looks the whole be thing.
1: to be below the suicide squad uh, at the moment. Okay. <sighs> Jesus Christ. It's also below Shiva baby. But um Well, that's fine. That's just me, mm. you know. Those that's are my top 4. <laughs> that's allowed. With Judas. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Things could change by the end of the year. I might, you know, be cold on Suicide Squad, who knows. Uh. Um Anyway, yeah.
2: Okay. Well, Kevin, you got any more? Oh, wow. he just revealed the Green Knights not in his top 4. It's my
1: top five. It's number Uh-oh. five.
2: The Green Knight. Look, I mean,
1: I would love to talk about the Green Knight because I have very specific uh, things right, to right, say right. about it, but I don't want to fuck it up for Kevin. No, yeah, I, I think and I'd rather wait till Kevin sees it and we can all talk. Right. About it, you
2: know? And I, yeah. So just, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna write down some notes so they don't go away in the next two weeks, but, and you know, cool. or or ever, depending on right. when when you can see the movie, Kevin. Right. Uh, I'm not putting you on a timeline. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You won't. You you would not like where Pig is in my ranked list. Uh, if it's not number one, it's wrong. It's number eleven. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: behind the Woodstock '99 documentary. Oh, that's, that's lame. <laughs> like, sorry, that documentary is fine, but it, like it's not pulling anything <laughs> special or very interesting for a documentary. Neither is Pig. Anyway. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> nah.
3: Kevin, you got any more? Uh, real quick, um, if you're if you're looking for a movie to watch with your kids on Netflix, uh, okay. Vivo is very good. It's uh, another Lin Manuel Miranda project. Um, this one taking place in Havana and Miami, and very entertaining, very well done. Um, really, really emotional too, in in certain parts, like. Um, yeah, like I like I was tearing up in one of the scenes. Oh my Yeah. Well like I mean Did you have tearing, tear tearing up now just talking about it? <laughs> <laughs> Good. That was mean. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh JR, you want to talk about uh Cloud Cap Star?
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I watched the first half hour at school, and then I thought I was going to get a chance to watch it last night.
2: One of you. Oh my god.
1: Well, my I had to watch my kid last night. I wasn't supposed to, but my uh, wait. So Nicole had her second shot, and she was sick, so I had to. Wait, who who
2: who
3: won
1: last time? I don't know. I well, I was thinking about that too because I know that I I feel like Jr. Won right. He just he watches everything anyway. Oh,
2: I I just yeah, I was like I I wanted to give this a rewatch. Oh, okay.
1: 'Cause it's no longer a punishment. It's always a movie that's has substance, so now there's no not, reason not to for well, all it three of us not to watch it every time. It
2: doesn't We we keep rolling in like the the first like third of this mm. list. Um they shouldn't all have substance. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah. We're we're waiting for like a, a short a short, silly one. I watched yet.
1: the first uh, half hour, so I'm I, I'm familiar with the setup. You know, you got the peasant girl who works really hard and then uses her money to... He, she ends up getting shaken down by her family to get mm. other things, yeah. and then she's
3: all sad and yeah, Her family pathetic. sucks. Yeah. yeah. Her family's the worst. <laughs> like, uh... Oh, 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 Shankar, like... Dude, like, you are not Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. Like, you gotta... Like, if you... <laughs> If you really are wanting to make <laughs> make a career with this Koali stuff, you got to just get out there and do it, man. He sounds great though. You notice every
1: time he sings there's oh. like <laughs> echo on his voice? Yeah. <laughs> like it's obviously recorded in a
3: studio, but
1: yeah, he sounds really good. Yeah,
3: and the and his uh his lips are synced up like really well to it. Uh, cuz yeah, like like when I fir- when I like that first scene when you hear him singing, and it's like oh, this is like uh, uh, Passion from Last Temptation of Christ. Okay, yeah, yeah. sure. But then it's... I am, yeah. have yeah, <laughs> still never seen that.
2: To what? I said I've still never seen that. You haven't seen Last Temptation of Christ? Oh, sorry, I'm thinking... I'm thinking Passion, of Passion of the Christ? Oh, no. You haven't seen Passion of the Christ? No, no, no. The,
3: right. the, the, the specific musical yeah. musical score is called Passion on the soundtrack. Right, yeah. Like I, Peter yeah, Bieber. you don't you don't need to go out of your way to rewatch Passion of the Christ or watch it for the first time, um, but yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, I am just
1: adding Passion of the Christ to my deep dive <laughs> God damn it!
3: <laughs> go ahead, uh, sorry, but yeah, um, I thought it was good. Um, it's kind of it's kind of samey for you know two hours, and um. You know, like, like, I, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, things happen in it, but it's like, like, no one seems, like, super affected, um, except for, except for the lead, uh, Nita, and the woman playing her is really great, like, like, when she has her, like, when she has her, like, really emotional moments where she's just, like, like, you people suck. Like this is the fucking worst. I can't believe I'm doing all this shit for you. Uh, like she's really great, but yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, her life still sucks. Another half hour goes by. Well, it's it's worse. The, and yeah, it's worse. That, that, you know, <laughs>
2: this is you know, this is fair. Um, this is fair. Yeah. I And I, I think I probably only liked it, you know, a little bit more than you, mm. uh, just based on our star ratings. But, uh, I definitely appreciated her and her conflict. I liked the melodrama. Mm. Um,
0: mm.
1: Kevin, you don't like passion of the Christ.
3: I don't remember loving it. Um, but like, like this is one of the, this is one of the things that like I can still one of the things i can still relate to uh kevin smith on cuz yeah in uh, one of uh, one of his like q and a's like why would you bother with a jesus movie after last temptation of christ i mean well
1: i mean there is like i mean last temptation of christ is not is not a biblical account right this is a yeah. sort of strict catholic biblical account of what is supposed to have happened i yeah. i'm not i'm with you i mean i don't love the movie i i in fact i've sort of always been in the same sort of three to three and a half with it Mm. even when i watched it originally i wasn't thrilled about it but i do like i really loved aspects of it like the fact that it's using arabic and latin Mm. for the languages i think is great um i like the sort of some of the imagery like the the way that they um portray satan in it i think is really terrific Mm. And uh, I mean, not as good as pa- uh, Last Temptation, right? Because I think that the f- the flame in the desert and the lion in the desert is like way more interesting and uh, <coughs> compelling. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just uh, there's a lot that I think is, you know, well done with it. And uh, I do think it's obviously like way manipulative mm. in its use of violence and stuff. But yeah,
3: like it's also been a really long time since I watched it. Yeah, I mean, like if we were, you know. If you made it a deep dive, I would I would watch it. But uh, I I just remember True. like, um. Yeah, like I remember the hype that that movie that that movie had, and you know the positive and the negative, and mm-hmm. like I, I just you know I just think there are so many other movies that are worth more, worth more attention, like um like that's fair, like uh, Pasolini's uh, Gospel According to Saint Matthew parts of it are, like, really ridiculous, like, um, like, when Herod is, like, has, like, ordered all the children to be murdered, they're, like, literally, like, flinging, um, swaddling clothes up in the air to, like, show that they're, that they're killing the children, um, which is, you know, goofy and ridiculous, um, but, but it's still, it's still a good movie, I think, and, um, I've been meaning yeah, to, like I've been books. meaning to watch it again, like forever. But I remember Barabbas being really good, like especially this st- with uh, Anthony Quinn, yeah, and uh, Robert Shaw, and like because mm. like I remember the stoning scene being like absolutely epic and over the top and ridiculous, but still like holy shit, because it's like it's this, like vast like crater that they found and this one and this woman is like standing in the center of it and then it's like this big buildup and then dead silence and like all around this crater they're just you know it's just like a meteor shower of rocks being thrown at this woman
1: all right um okay sorry jr you were in the middle of talking about how great the soundtrack is and i agree actually i was going to say the f- the opening the credits with the score i was like this score is a six out of five like mm. great music yeah very uh intense droney music i love i love eastern stuff like that mm. kicks Ass.
2: i can't remember hearing that in any other movies from that region um which might just be a bad memory but uh yeah i was i was way into it <laughs>
1: She loved it, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have other things to say about the Cloud Cap Star?
3: I mean, it's good. You should uh, JR, finish is this watching your it. favorite
1: Ritwick Rahad? I forget what his name is. R- R- I'm sorry. Ritwick
2: R- 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 Gaddick. Yeah, Gaddick. Is
1: this your favorite of his films?
2: Uh, probably. I haven't s- seen that many, but uh, I would guess, Yeah. I'll say yes.
1: He did a film called Linen, My Linen, that's on uh, YouTube. I, I was going to watch it, but I didn't get around to it. It's only 25 minutes long. It's about Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so it's interested to see that. But um, <coughs> anyway, okay, uh, let's get to our main review then, which is JR's pick, Paper Moon from 1973. 1973 is a big year for American cinema. You got The Exorcist, you got Badlands, Wicker Man, Mean Streets, Holy Mountain, which isn't American, but, um, neither is Wicker Man. Uh, (laughs) American Graffiti, Serpico, The Long Goodbye, The Sting. There's a lot of big, big movies coming out in 1973. The Last Detail is amazing. It's a big year. Jordan used to talk about this year when we were first doing the Baton Rouge Movie Club podcast. Oh, right. Just me and him. Um, we used to talk about how 73 is like a pivotal sort of year in cinema. Mm. But um, does Paper Moon add to it or detract from it? We'll soon find out. Uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, starring Ryan O'Neill and his daughter Tatum O'Neill mm. and Madeline Kahn and, and John Hillerman and Randy Quaid and other people, PJ Johnson. Uh, it's about a... Sort of uh drifting con man Yeah. who sells Bibles to widows. I think he's got a really great scam, actually. Mm. Something that would never work now, but it really works yeah, well. I, I yeah, mean, I,
2: I you know, we see one time where the scam, like, gets close to really backfiring on him, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, that probably happened to him a fair amount. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I think the setup is uh, is clever, not just for his scams, but the whole movie. Like he is clearly stopping by the funeral of a former fling, hmm. uh, who has left behind this daughter played by Tatum O'Neill. and uh, you know he reveals like people people notice he looks like Tatum O'Neill. There's like a couple women at the funeral, hmm. uh, but the physical resemblance is noticed. He says he has to be going. He's on the way to St. Louis. Uh, everyone's like, oh well take her we got to get her to her aunt in St. Joseph's on the way and uh you could take her and of course since he's already also mentioned he's a bible salesman he has to just kind of be like I guess I have to be nice and charitable on account of I've told you I'm a godly man Mm -hmm. and clearly lied about it uh and you know and it's like these two clearly have uh nothing to say to each other they don't know each other um until until uh Ryan O'Neal, t- uh, the cons basically a guy out of two hundred dollars using uh, Tatum's situation and her mother dying, uh, and then Tatum's like, "Hey, uh, I want that two hundred dollars." Yeah. Uh, and well, know, she says
1: specifically, if you're if you're not my father, yeah, then that's my mm. money. <laughs> yeah. So she's very, she's, he like sort of meets his match because she's as savvy as he is. Mm, She's already really smart. Yeah.
2: She's great. And, uh, you know, because she ends up being useful to his Bible ruse and a couple other things, uh, they strike up a business relationship in which he will pay back the $200, uh, that keeps getting delayed for various, uh, reasons and, you know, a bunch of other like sidetrack shenanigans happen involving the whole section with Madeline Kahn and her, Uh, exotic dancer Miss Trixie and then uh, with some uh, bootleggers that you probably don't want to get involved with Mm. a bootlegger and his sheriff brother Brother, what a nice match but you know um, I think a light entertaining comedy is what this tries to be Um, and you know I'll just say now for me it delivered on that promise at least Uh, what'd you guys think oh and yeah I chose a comedy. You're welcome. <laughs> I've made history. <laughs> um,
1: Well, I guess I will start mm. because since you say um, that it's attempting to be a light comedy, I...
2: lighthearted,
1: lighthearted. light sure. I think it is uh, fairly light-hearted. I don't 100% agree that it's functioning as a comedy, first and foremost. Uh, I mean... It's certainly not broad at all. It's very, like, grounded. Mm. Um, and there are very sort of dramatic things happening throughout. I th- I'd say it's if, it's... if anything, I mean, the thing I thought about the most was how this movie... If you didn't know who the people were who were in it, and you didn't know when it was made, like, it looks just like it was made in 1937 or something. You know, like, there's no way to tell... That this is a '70s film, in my, I mean, my from my point of view, uh, and I thought that that was actually really impressive. Like, I, I thought it, like the set design and the the costuming and everything, and the the sort of fast talking dialogue that they had, uh, especially like during scenes like in the car where he and Tatum O'Neill are arguing back and forth about what they're going to do and the money and the, how they're running out of Bibles and so forth. I thought that was very like sort of homage to the kinds of movies, like this kind of movie, this sort of like a lighthearted caper film from the thirties or forties or something like that. Right.
0: Agreed. And,
1: um, huh? I said, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Yes, but I don't. But I. But I guess it, maybe it's just a matter of like whether or not you find things funny. Like I didn't find much of it funny. Like I never chuckled at anything. I don't think really. Oh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's smart. I, I mean, well, tell me what, what you thought was funny. In a, <laughs> well, I mean, for I think instance, are, like maybe there are moments that are like attempting for like a sort of very like like nothing was just like. <laughs>
0: Yes.
1: No. Addy, oh my god, that's hilarious.
2: Like I think I mean, it is it's all it's all like chuckle comedy. There are, there are several moments that I found to be very clever where I am almost just like that's really clever. Like saying myself. <laughs> yeah, no like guffaw moments. I mean, uh I, wa- I actually got Sarah to watch this with me. Um, yeah. just so I was like it's like I might not have time to watch this if I can't convince Sarah to do it as well. Uh, she was chuckling at some of the parts, and, and what I was thinking specifically of those car scenes where they're in a fight about the Bible, like why didn't you tell me there are yeah. Bibles? Well, why didn't you just look? Like you can see how many Bibles there are too. And he's like, you have an excuse for everything. Uh, that whole interaction and the way it ends, or in the middle, they're like, yeah, I'll drive you here to drop you off at a depot. And the way that that like seamlessly seamlessly transitioned into. Well, so on the way to the depot, we can hit this town and this town and this town for more Bible sales. That was, uh, you know, yeah, I was chuckling at that kind of stuff. That's fine. Uh, I mean, I was I, chuckling I, I at, he like, you know, he's going to sell this whiskey. He goes and steals the whiskey from the bootlegger to sell it back <laughs> to him like that. Just like the boldness of that had me chuckling is like, how, how do you think this isn't going to go wrong? Um. <laughs> I see, see, like stuff like
1: that, when that happened, I wasn't (laughs) thinking, like, I guess I was thinking, like, this guy is, that's a good, again, I was just thinking, like, this is a good con. Like, what a, what a brazenly great idea that, yeah, obviously is kind of like extremely bold, but, if it works, God, this guy's a genius. You yeah. know, that's what I kept thinking about. Yeah. I, I guess like, I wasn't like thinking of it in terms of like this guy, this is silly. Like he's funny because he's, you know, selling <laughs> the guy's back. It's, it's ironic, I, I guess. But I, I guess I but, just, you know, I thought like every, I agree with you. It's clever.
2: Almost every conversation between uh, Tatum and Ryan like just served a comedic purpose. Like, yes, their relationship is growing, but I, I thought like their anger and frustration and especially the way Ryan O'Neill plays it where he is just like so annoyed with her Mm -hmm. I thought was was meant to be funny. Uh, you know, we're and just like I owe you like I think it was a hundred four dollars and seventy three cents and, you know, turn off the light. And she's just like seventy four. And you
0: know (laughs) No,
2: it's it's not that kind of funny. It's it's a light I get it. Humor, and I enjoyed, uh, you know, I, th- I think their dynamic together, their chemistry, uh, yeah. really sells all those lines. For sure.
1: I agree. Kevin, what would you think?
3: Uh, well, firstly, I would have to disagree with you, John. Like, I... Uh-oh. No, I, I didn't, like... I did not think it looked like an authentic movie from the 30s or 40s. Like, if oh, you, if you, I was you, gonna
2: get to that in
3: later. No, I mean, like, if you, if you want something like that, something that like really hits it on the nail, like it's uh, young Frankenstein, because like the way the way they do the sound design and the like, just the look of it, I think looks way more, way way more retro than than this movie. Because, like, cause I like think, honestly, uh, I was going to ask you guys, like, at what point in history can we, like, kind of forgive films for not looking good? Because I thought this one looked like... It didn't look good. <laughs> what? It didn't look good? No. Oh,
2: I thought... I think it looks beautiful. I thought this looks really good, but I thought <laughs> uh, it was more like... I cannot I it agree. It more like a... Uh, this looks like post-Orson Wells. There's a lot mm. of, like, camera movement and then also patience that i feel like you just weren't gonna see until the late 40s um that i mean that's fine i was
1: i was I, I mean i was more speaking to the um yeah. the things that you see on camera mm. and the on the the way the film looks that's sort of and i agree like about the orson welles uh, statement because he was apparently the one who convinced him to shoot black and white and do it at high contrast and everything Mm -hmm. but i i think all that really
2: works i thought it looked fucking great according to wikipedia he convinced them to use a red filter to Mm. shoot all of it and i was like i you know i don't know anything about black and white photography i had would have no idea that would have uh produced the effect (laughs) it does which is just a super clean crisp black and white throughout and kevin's crazy yeah i agree kevin you're out of your mind.
1: I was going to say, how did this movie not win the Oscar for cinematography that year?
2: Not even nominated. <laughs> I know.
1: It's a, it's
2: a train uh, wreck of a It did, did get nominated for its sound, which is cool. Yeah, that's uh, cool. that's good. You know, that's all right. Okay. Things. It's not really a comedy. We're just going to have does, to agree
1: The sound to disagree. doesn't matter. No, no, no. That's not what I said. Well, that was I'm another thing that bugged
3: know, me. Like The sound of the car is like, oh, yeah, like we got to... We got to sell that this is a a 30s car. It's like uh, it, I mean, it is a 30s. Yeah, I know, it. but it like, like it drop-y. doesn't Yeah, but I I don't know. I just didn't I didn't like this movie. <laughs> I just Oh my. God
2: damn. It. All right, Kevin, get into it. Get into it. Let's <laughs> Okay, no, what no. else besides <laughs> its look? Well, it's not a perfect movie but I I do want to hear what's what's not working
3: well one of the big things that doesn't work is Ryan O'Neill again like he is doing oh way too much like it is just dude <laughs> never takes a break it's like dude you are doing way too much with this you are chewing the scenery and like the interactions between the two of them I just they're just they were just annoying, like for the entire I have
1: such it's so crazy. It's like every one of my notes, Kevin, is just like the exact opposite of my <laughs> note. Like my note is Ryan probably should have won the Oscar instead of Tata. I mean,
2: like, when he when when he's got the ice cream in his mouth or whatever he's eating and she's like, I want my two hundred dollars and he's his his like what's that delivery with the <laughs> ice cream, it's just so I I can't think of Ryan O'Neill ever being better than in this movie because oh, yeah. wow. I, I i i'm often with you like i i I'll, I'll i'll say that like his Barry Lyndon performance is like it's maybe almost accidentally good uh <laughs> i think that you know, he's in he's in what's up doc with Peter Bogdanovich i think that's maybe a better movie uh but i don't think Ryan O'Neill is nearly as good in that mm. as he is in this and i you know it's like i really like the driver but i don't like it because of Ryan O'Neill uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this one, I I do think I kind of do like this movie because of Ryan O'Neal, mm. which so yeah, that's. Oh, sorry, that's wild. Yeah. That's wild I, think, that I we're thought on O'Neal was. On that. Yeah, I thought O'Neal was, was
1: sort of like the main thing that I liked about it.
3: Yeah, I, <laughs> I, to be <laughs>
1: honest, I thought his performance was fantastic, and I mean, very like their dialogue together, their sort of back and forth also reminded me of like a proto Coen Brothers sort of film. Mm. You know, it seems like something the Coen Brothers like, have done and would, you know, would do. Like, this is the kind of movie they would make, like, a, in between making something, you know, grim and serious, like No Country, they would do some kind of lighthearted, mm. you know, uh, con man romp from the 30s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I th- and I thought in that way, O'Neill's performance, both of their performances, but Ryan in particular, I thought he functions well as that sort of, like, I could see, like, Clooney being this character. I mean, he essentially almost is like a, in a similar vein as the, some of the, like, like Clooney and, um, in, uh, Oh brother, where art thou? Mm. Except this movie is good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Just kidding. Kevin. <laughs> oh, you know. so like where, where did oh, you guys man.
3: watch this?
2: Uh, Amazon canopy? prime.
3: Okay. Yeah. Cause I watched it on canopy and like, I don't know, like maybe Amazon has a better transfer. I don't know. like, yeah, I I didn't I didn't think it looked good. Like, I like Madeline Kahn, but only in like small doses in this. Like, I think like <laughs> like it's really like she's really like going into the uh, the ditzy thing. But like, I really liked her like when she's walking up the hill. She's like, oh oh sweet oh shit, and uh, <laughs> like yeah. I like when she was like finally able to be real with um with Addy. And, like, th- I thought that was a really good scene, and I thought it was well acted. This is where,
1: like, you and I sort of agree on this, because I think Khan, the whole section with Trixie, mm. if I had any sort of criticism of this movie, and, like, a you know, like, this is something I could do without, is, like, that middle section where Ryan O'Neill is obsessed with with, uh, with Trixie, and, and um, Tatum is trying to separate them from it and i like the plan that tatum comes yeah. up with with pj johnson and uh, all that stuff is really sort of fun if not sitcommy. y yeah way. yeah but um but it's interesting that it works and uh and i like that it works because as soon as it worked i was like thank god no more tricks yeah. <laughs> like i'm ready to just get back to the
3: two of them in the car right. you know yeah yeah, yeah. and I, th-
2: I agree that was not my favorite section
3: yeah and i, th- I thought the whole like the whole bootlegging sequence i thought was actually i think that's the best part of the movie because like i cause agree, like yes, now actually. now there's like you know now there's some tension and some stakes yeah stakes right here. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and some uh,
2: strings we got some strings now yeah <laughs> and
3: just just like the uh the, the the menace the menace of the sheriff and his deputy and then like you know like when he takes the hat off and like they think they think he's gonna find the money and <laughs> when, when, you know, Addie's like, run! <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think John Hillerman is phenomenal also. Mm. And uh, I think in a different, maybe a different year or something, he might have gotten a, a supporting actor mm. nomination as the sheriff. Yeah. I really enjoyed his sort of, like, quietly raging yeah like we're gonna we're gonna fuck you up now
3: yeah because like i remember i remember him in um chinatown as the uh the guy who takes over water and power it's like very you Mm. know subdued but in this one it's like oh now we're seeing how good an actor this guy is yeah he's really terrific
1: and he apparently played the bootlegger also Mm.
2: yeah just with with a mustache (laughs) yeah right the uh so he played yeah, the I, sheriff I really, and his brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes. exactly. I liked that section a lot. I like where it goes. I like um, kind of all forms of the chase that happens. Mm. You know, like yeah, Hillerman is making a really dumb decision, just like leaving their stuff on a table and then walking out of the room, uh, including the car key. Yeah, um, that wasn't that wasn't very smart but you
1: know i mean he leaves the deputy watching them with a shotgun mm. i mean and they're oh, like yeah. a small town sheriff like i don't think he's assuming these guys are gonna do it it's a kid yeah i you can know, yeah. assume that the kid's gonna steal the key yeah
2: but uh once once they're in the car i loved uh that chase that sequence i really enjoyed uh trying to swap the cars because mm. i thought the the wrestling match yeah <laughs> was great and that even suggests just like wrestling, uh, it, this could have been alluded to maybe earlier in the movie, but just the the idea that like he is you know like as a common he is a salesman and he like quickly adapts to language that his uh, customers here would understand and agree to. Um, I like that a lot, and uh, I also liked once he wins the wrestling match like. All of the other brothers in that family are like, fuck yeah, we got this. Guy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could have used way more Randy Quaid, mm. to be honest. I was kind of bummed out that he's only in that one scene. Mm.
0: I mean,
2: I don't know how else you get him. I am no, not saying like, like I want want
1: more scenes of this country bumpkin yeah. guy. I don't know. C- I just thought he was going to play a bigger role. I like I like Randy Quaid at this time. Well, like, it could have
3: been, you know, it could have been more like a um I mean, I don't know what the book that it's based on it's like but like it could have been you know more similar to uh bonnie and clyde where it starts out with the two of them they do some stuff and then gradually different people come in come in and out of the narrative and um you know maybe we could have gotten more of him that way
1: yeah i mean just i don't know i'm not saying i would want to like change the structure of the the plot Mm. at all necessarily but i just was expecting to see him more, but uh, oh, and it's not a huge deal. It's a mm-hmm. nitpick. The chase
2: um, once, uh, you know, in Missouri, when the cops start chasing uh, Ryan O'Neill just to beat mm-hmm. the shit out of him, I thought that was that was like the moment that really made me realize this. This has like a late '40s, early '50s look with the camera like going with him down the street. Um, yeah, I wish I could put my finger on like what movie specifically that reminded me of, but. I also thought that looked just great. Mm. I loved the uh, and scene following up subsequent, to the
1: wall. Yeah, and the scene subsequent to that, where he's where Tatum O'Neill's looking for him. I loved. I honestly, I yeah. kind of thought the movie was going to end there, and it, it like reminded me of um, this is going to be a silly comparison, but it reminded me of the end of Prisoners. Oh, where Jake Gyllenhaal is. Uh, at the scene of the crime and you know Hugh Jackman is like in the pit but he doesn't know it and then he just like sort of hears the the whistle and he's like looking around and it's very very faint and it reminded me of that because Ryan O'Neal is like so quiet when he says Addie you know yeah. I thought that was very uh, I don't know like I liked it I liked it quite a bit so um I have other notes. Hang on. Oh, I had a question. Why does Ryan O'Neill put his pants under the mattress? Do you keep guys remember this? Keep them straight? I don't know. Yeah, but he, like, throws them under the mattress. Like, he doesn't... <laughs> like, they're bunched up mm. under there. Yeah. I don't know. That's, uh... It's very strange. I'm not sure.
3: I don't know. Um, I guess that's more of that sorry. itinerant, you know, traveling kind of mentality i don't know i don't know how it feels but
1: like, yeah it feels like something that they research like this is something that people used mm. to do and we need to have it in yeah. there you know like how she's listening to the radio constantly and i'll say her listening to the radio performance is pretty good like <laughs> like how she's just kind of sitting staring ahead it feels very much like she's enjoying listening to the radio which i'm sure kids at that time did not like to do at all in the 70s mm. I
2: mean did did this th- I was thinking about this at, right after the movie ended because I didn't make any notes about it and I didn't ever notice it did this movie have a score or was it all the diegetic sound from the radio and a couple of like um, moments where they have like a very 30s jazz sound going on in the background was there That's actual to- score here
1: that's easy to figure out. Yeah, can just you go Google look for this a composer. for me? Go, I'm going to find the composer right I mean, now. I'm, I don't think there is, though. I think you're right. I think there's yeah. I'm no pretty score. sure there isn't. I think it's all source yeah. music.
2: And there was there was a there were a lot of times in this movie where there there's was no, just composer. no music at all. Mm. Uh, yeah, which was cool. There's no
1: composer. It's all I guess. Yeah, like you say, it's all diegetic. And then the the uh, paper moon during the credits. Um,
2: and I guess I had, I had a plot question. Did yeah. Did the bootlegger tell his brother to, like, hang out at this sale mm. to make sure everything is good? Or was the sheriff just, like, hanging out conveniently right there? I uh, I couldn't decide. Like, I guess they don't make it clear, like, how involved the sheriff is in this bootlegging business, as though he's, like, getting a money cut and kind of moderating it. But I mean,
1: come on. It's his brother. Yeah. I'm sure they're in cahoots. Like, yeah, I mean. He's probably running the other bootleggers out of town. Yeah.
3: Whereas, like, um, uh, what's his face? Like, he he was, you know, going to Addy to, like, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. The bootlegger was, was calling up the sheriff going, like, look, I got this mark. He's coming in. You know, be ready for him.
2: Exactly. Because,
3: you know, he was obviously, like, waiting for him to, like, get the money back. Right. I mean, he probably would have
1: bought the whiskey from... Like, if, if Ryan O'Neal was a real bootlegger, mm. that guy would have bought the whiskey from him and then the sheriff would have arrested him and confiscated the money and given it back to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're running their own yeah. scam. So, that's the way I feel
2: about it. Now, okay, let's yeah. let's
1: get down to brass tacks. I mean, it's really the, the main thing that anybody talks about with this movie is Tatum O'Neill's performance, Does She Deserve the Oscar?
2: Uh, I mean... I don't know who else nominated that year. I'm guessing the answer is no, but I still thought she was effective. Mm. Uh, You know, I I liked her. I don't know if she needed an Oscar for it.
3: Kevin. I mean,
2: well, she's related to Ryan O'Neal, so we know how Kevin feels.
3: Yeah, you know, terrible, (laughs) worst, zero out of five. Uh, (laughs) I mean, like as child actors go, like I thought, I thought she was like effective in. Like honestly, I think she was better, <laughs> better than her father. Cause like, when she's like really trying to show emotion, like uh, like when she's like figuring things out, like you see it on her face, and, you know, yeah. like, and that's that scene where she's like, you know, I want my two hundred dollars. Like every time she screams, it's like more. I, I, yeah, like I do think it's more legitimate than Ryan O'Neal's performance. As um, far as Oscars, also, I
1: don't know. Also, up that year was Linda Blair for The Exorcist, uh, Candy Clark for American Graffiti, Madeline Kahn for Paper Moon, and Sylvia Sidney for Summer Wishes, Winter Dreams,
2: which I've mm. never even heard of. Uh, man, I don't know. Like, <sighs> Linda Blair is like the only other one I'd be interested in. Uh, yeah, winning. So mm. maybe just not a great year for that. I guess there's category. like
1: there's controversy because uh I what I read was that people think that uh Bogdanovich sort of manicured her performance by shooting lots and lots and lots of takes until she got it right. Like she couldn't get it right. She's not a good actress cuz she's just a little kid. And then he would tell her essentially like this is what you're doing wrong. Say it this way. And then when she finally got it right all the way, that was the take they used. Wait, use. so people so, so it's people like, are being mad at Bogdanovich
3: I, for being a director? I don't know if they're being mad. I think
1: they're just they're, sort they're, of like resentful of her performance because they're saying like she's she's nine, like she's not a you know she's not a great actress or anything. She's a little kid. What I mean, whatever. She's doing what they're telling her yeah. to do. You know.
2: I wonder. I wonder if people said the same thing like when Anna Paquin won. I think she was. I think the they one. did. Yeah.
1: I think they did. I mean, I think that's the criticism when anybody any kid is nominated uh at all i when that girl i remember when uh yeah. whatever that movie was from louisiana was nominated uh Fli- Quveng- yeah
2: yeah something like that
1: and she was nominated and everybody was saying like you know she's not really doing anything she's just kind of being herself mm. in this movie and she's a little kid and, like there's no acting there i mean i think and i can imagine being it. an actor like, being, you know, Madeline Kahn, for instance, and, like, I'm I'm an adult, I'm an actor, I've been doing this for years, and now I'm losing to Tatum O'Neill, who's nine, and this is her first fucking movie. And, like, Ryan O'Neill apparently very upset about this, and uh, Tatum O'Neill claims that he struck her when they when he found wow. out he
3: punched her in the face. Fuck you, Ryan O'Neill, Which, you piece know, of shit.
2: I, yeah, I I think they had... I I didn't look into this, but they were definitely, like, not talking to each other for decades. Right. Uh, Who knows? I I don't know where that started, but... Mm.
1: Yeah, I say nothing in defense of Ryan O'Neill as a person, but I do think his performance is quite good in (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anyway. Uh, There was a TV show. That failed. That had Jodie Foster as the Tatum O'Neill oh, character. Saw that. And uh, I like that Tatum was actually smoking. I mean, apparently she was smoking like lettuce in in cigarette paper, <laughs> but she could t- you could tell she was inhaling, mm. which I liked. Yeah, I think uh, that's all I have. I like that there's no moral judgments mm. in the movie. Yeah. There's no like point where you're where anybody confronts him and says, "How could you be corrupting this little girl or something like that?" You know, yeah. It'd be very cliche, mm. and lame. No, it's so. uh, yeah, I'm
2: yeah, I'm ready for ratings. I I don't have much else to say about this. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, I'm I ready. I don't think it's uh, do it.
1: real. Real. Let's
3: go with Kevin first, since
1: he. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. You real quick,
3: help? I I have a question for Jr. Because I think he's probably he's uh. probably seen these movies. Like are you, like are, when we're are
2: you, is this a gotcha? Are you doing a gotcha? No 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 <laughs> not at
3: all. Uh, He's not me. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on man. Uh, so like as far as like Oscar contenders goes, um, have you seen Johnny Belinda? Yeah. Now do you think that Jane, Wy- Jane Wyman was better than Ingrid Bergman, Olivia De Havilland, and Barbara Stanwyck? No. Thank you. That, that That was all I, that was all I wanted to that was all I wanted to bring up cuz like like Olivia De Havilland like was in the Snake Pit that year and she was nominated for it and like uh Stanwick was in sorry wrong number and Bergman was in Joan of Arc like and then this like random woman who's no, who like no one's heard of except in the 40s and and you know JR because he knows everything like, no, no, that, no. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just thought that was, like, beyond yeah. ridiculous.
2: <laughs> Look, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to oversell the strength of that Joan of Arc adaptation. Okay. Uh, but sh- she's good in it. D- uh, Ingrid Bergman is good in it. Okay. Um, I I would probably go with the snake pit. Right. Olivia de Halivand that year. Yeah. Ha- Haviland? De- yeah. Sorry. Um, oh. Okay. Right. Anyway, so
3: so what's your rating, Kevin? Two point seven five. <laughs> Jesus fucking. Christ. What are you giving it a five? Come on, man. <laughs> <clears throat> oh. I'm not. It.
2: <laughs> are, are, are you giving John, are you giving it a five? Let's hear it, John.
1: I haven't said my rating. Like,
3: what I are know. we? What We're are just we ganging about. up on you to bust your balls, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, yeah. What, what are you giving it?
3: Jr. Are you <laughs> <rating>? <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm giving it, uh, I'm giving it a four, like a 4.25, but can't go for that full four and a half. Interesting. What are you giving?
1: (laughs) It's a, it's a five out of five with a heart. I loved it. Wow. Almost perfect. I have no issues with it. Really. Wow. And, uh, yeah, suck (laughs) on it. Suck on it. Both of you.
2: Dude, that's, I mean. I'm happy. It's Bogdanovich's
1: I, masterpiece I, out of finally, the two films i saw
2: I finally picked a movie that one of you guys loved.
3: Hey, <laughs> amazing!
2: I, yeah, I don't I think that's it. happened since it's *In the Mood for Love*.
3: <laughs> pretty sure I've given something else a uh, four and a half that you've chosen. Right. So, I think.
2: Maybe. I think we we were all pretty into the, uh, the Arbor. I don't remember the numbers, but I think we all I gave I think it a we four and a half. It, but, um. Hmm.
1: Okay, let's do this. Oh, we got to do Paper Moon. Yeah. Let's see. Paper Moon. Uh, let's roll the dice. Because I know... <coughs> JR's losing and he wants to get out. He's like, "No, done. I'm, let's be done.
2: I kind of just want to put this baby mm. to bed. Here we go. It's quick. a six. six.
1: Which means it's one, two, three, four, five, six. It's Noble Willingham. Mm. Noble Willingham. And I've seen 12. Ah. I've seen nine.
2: And I've seen ten. That might be the closest Dang. we've all Snap. been. I win. So you win. All right. Good all right. And
1: the number is, you. let's see,
2: 3480, 3480, enter. And the number is
1: 2472. 2472. So
2: that's on page 25...
1: Twenty four seventy two is I got it. It is Terrors Advocate from two thousand seven by Barbette Schroeder.
2: Oh. I've not seen it's this. A
1: documentary.
2: It's on canopy. Nice. Yes, it
1: is. Um and the first review, the most popular review is This Shit Is Insane. Nice. So <laughs> might be alright. Might be alright. All right.
2: Like so that's
1: what you two will be forced to watch mm. for next time.
2: Documentary about Klaus Barbie. Yeah, the cool. uh,
1: and Holocaust denier Roger Garon Garodi. Anyways, and then uh, next episode is Kevin's mm. pick. That's that's Kevin? Right,
3: Kevin. Do it. Lay it on us. So we are going to watch Basket from 1996, directed by Julian Schnabel. And you mean Basquiat. Is that what you're talking about? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, the artist? Yeah. Yeah, it's Basquiat. I I don't mean to embarrass you. I'll cut that out. (laughs) So, we are going to watch Basquiat from 1996, directed by Julian Schnabel. Sweet. Schnabel. Okay. I've
0: never seen Uh, this.
3: Also, starting Tatum O'Neill. I have not either. Yeah, no really. but seriously. As Cynthia Krueger.
1: Really? Yeah. You know Tatum O'Neill as an adult? I don't know. She was in Rescue Me. She's awful. Oh in no. Me. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? You know. Kevin,
2: have you seen this? Before? I haven't.
3: Uh, nice. Yeah, I was reading about him on Wikipedia the other day, and I saw the cast of the movie. I was like, "Well, we gotta watch this." Yeah, Bowie as Andy Warhol. Yeah, and uh, you gotta love yeah. it. Jeffrey Wright, Dennis Hopper, Michael Wincott.
1: Yes, i ben, yeah, mm-hmm. Benicio's in this, Courtney Love. Um, so, uh, we'll be watching Basquiat, uh, and uh, also Terror, whatever that movie was called. <laughs> what the fuck Adv- was that Terror's movie? Terror's Advocate. Called? Terror's Advocate, sorry. Until then, visit our website at filmiacpodcast.com, Write to us at filmiac, Filmiacpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, like and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Wherever podcasts are sold. And uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening.
0: Bye. a cardboard sea but it wouldn't be make believe if you believed in me yes it's only a canvas sky hanging over a cotton tree but it wouldn't be make believe if you believed in me with all